Episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on April the 10th, 2018. I'm your host, gaming psychologist, and with me, as always, my favorite delivery boy, Caffeine Rage. I'm, uh, uh, I'm not sure how to feel about this. Uh, are we on a porno? Yes. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing <laughs> the games that we've played this week. The PUBG Corporation files a lawsuit against NetEase for alleged copyright infringement. GTA 5 is the most profitable entertainment product of all time. Maybe? Is the year of the loot box dead? Marvel's Spider-Man will let you unlock pre-order suits in-game, and we'll have our weekly discovery queue. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello. Um, so, where did the delivery uh, boy come in? Is is this a Trump reference? No, it's just Pizza Titan Ultra. Oh. It's a very loose connection, but you played it last week, I played it this week. We both fisted some buildings. Yeah, we did. Fisted those buildings. Mm, sexy buildings. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's where, that's where that came from. I was uh, wondering where that came from, because, you know, uh, that's weird even for you. <laughs> yep. So how are you doing? I'm doing fine, all sir. right. It, it was a rough weekend just because doctor's visit, just an exam. And that threw off my sleep cycle and um, my back was aching because, you know, a lot of movement. So, yeah, yeah, it was a it was an annoying weekend. It was at a pretty much a wasted Friday as well. So, yeah, doctor way overbooked. I was there for three and a half hours for a 15 minute, 20 minute, uh, just, uh, you know, checkup. So, right. Uh, th- that's why I was texting you bored. Yeah. And I was pretty busy on Friday. So you didn't uh, have time to entertain me. No, I too had a, a weekend. My son's fourth birthday was this weekend. His party was on Saturday. And my in-laws were here for five days. Uh, yeah, five days, really. Today doesn't count because they left at 9.30 this morning to go catch their plane. So they were here for five full days. And I have good in-laws, but five days with extra people crammed in your house when there's a ton of stuff going on. that It's not just like, hey, let's go hang out and do stuff together as family and friends. Uh, it can get annoying plus even though i have good in-laws they're not perfect people and that's that's all i'll say about that oh my um because i I told you a little bit of some of the things that got on my nerves uh (laughs) but i'm not gonna bring that up here but uh, it was a good weekend overall just we were really busy i did go fishing like actual real fishing on was that yesterday yeah it was yesterday i went fishing yesterday we didn't catch anything but sticks. Uh, see, I, but, I prefer just to catch a salad, you know? <laughs> yeah, which is fine. Is, my uh, my kid has been asking to go fishing. Mm-hmm. And he got, so he got like a kid's fishing pole for from my parents for his birthday. And we got like some, just some cheap 
fishing poles from like Walmart to go and and fish with him. And he had a blast just trying to cast, but ultimately just like splashing in the water and. Gee, I wonder why you didn't catch fish. anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. So uh, all the if there were any fish where we went, they were all scared away by the time we even started fishing. I used to fish a lot when I was a kid. My dad had a fishing boat and we would go like every weekend, but around the time of 13 or 14, I just didn't want to go anymore. I find fishing very boring. Well, to be fair, we have electronics now, so, you know. That's true. It's very true. I can fish on my phone. Well, really. well I, I was talking I about, uh, you know, go soon, the uh, uh, the lakeside and uh, watch Twitch or something. <laughs> yeah, fishing for me would be a podcasting activity, but because you just sit there and like cast your line every once in a while, and if you catch something, great. But I have so many other podcasting activities at home, and I would have to leave my home to go fishing. And everyone knows that I'm a hermit. No, you're and a I turtle. Don't like leaving my house, but turtles like water. Okay, then you're a tortoise. <laughs> Whatever works, I guess. Yes. Uh, My point is, you, I I hate you, leaving you, the house. You curl up in your shell, and you you know, you have a sign on that says it to go away, and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So See, I hate leaving my house. So there's no point in me going fishing. <laughs> I'll just play video games and listen to podcasts. Well, there are fishing uh, video games. There are, but I don't really find fishing video games very fun either. It depends on the video game. Because uh, uh, spearfishing and warframe is fun, but, you know, that's spearfishing. I saw a really nifty gif on, I don't don't know why it was a gif instead of a link to a YouTube video, but it was. It was like a 45 second gif of someone bow fishing. That was pretty cool. I've never seen that before. Well, you did find fishing in Torchlight enjoyable. Yeah, because you could throw a stick of dynamite in the fishing hole. One and done. Can't you? I mean, you could do that in real life, but if yeah, but the feds uh, frown upon that practice. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, besides, you, said- you just uh, drop uh, some uh, electrodes in the water and you zap the little suckers. <laughs> you know, there, there's no earth shattering kaboom to uh, draw attention. And Indeed. now we're being protested by PETA. <laughs> yeah, well, fuck PETA. Uh, no thanks. I prefer to keep my dick out of crazy. PETA's made some really shitty video games. And that's not that's not e- not an attempt at a like a, an on the nose segue. Like PETA really has made some really shitty video games. What the one about uh, Pokemon uh, fighting? Or, That's one or of the, the co- worst ones. Or the Cooking Mama uh, ripoff. The Cooking Mama ripoff is the one that usually springs to mind first. Uh, what about uh, uh, Tofu Boy? Oh, yeah. I love how that Super Meat Boy made fun of Tofu Tofu Boy. Yeah. Uh, the fact that they put him in the game to begin with, and he's by far the worst character. The worst character, yeah. You uh, can I think... barely complete the easiest levels. No, 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 no. There's two levels that you complete can complete total in the entire game. Oh. I don't I don't know enough about Super Meat Boy to have known that. I just know that there was beat the, most of the levels I he could complete. I beat the easy version of Super Meat Boy. Because it's, uh, I, 
it has the light world and then the dark world, which is significantly harder. I beat the light world, and, and to unlock the dark world, you have to, uh, if I recall correctly, you have to, it's either get the bandages on all the levels, which uh, unlocks the uh, dark version, or you have to beat a particular time. I think it's actually uh, the time, so you have to hit essentially a part-timer, and some of them are just insane. But then again, it's Super Meat Boy. But really fun game. Very frustrating, yeah. but it's that moment of getting through and beating a very tough level that has that release, you know? Yeah, not a game that I like, but I recognize that it is a good game and just not mm-hmm. something that I'm all about. So, well, Speaking of good games? Indeed, speaking of good games. What games did you play this week, Rach? Well, I've got four on the docket this time around. First up is Gauntlet Slayer Edition. This was one that I played with Ghost Shark and Cube uh, Friday night for a couple hours. A co-op dungeon crawler. And it was a lot of fun. I never really got to play Gauntlet back in the day. Uh, And I know, back in the day, uh, I'm making Ghost Shark feel old. Back in my day. Back in my day, we had to pay a quarter to uh, play Gauntlet. <laughs> uh, but a Gauntlet is a dungeon crawling hack and slash uh, co-op game. It does have a single player mode, but you could tell that the focus of it is on the competitive co-op because it's not quite full co-op where you can dick over your uh, uh, allies. There's the ability to, for example, uh, shoot the food, which is the healing items in the game, to deny food if you really want to be a dick. Or there's this uh, semi-competitive version of uh, just collecting all the gold. And the gold is what enables you to get additional power-ups to progress your character. And there's four characters I think at the start with a DLC for a fifth character available each of them have uh, their own strengths and weaknesses Uh, the warrior is a lot tankier but uh, I don't think he does as much damage Uh, but all the characters have their uh, different unlocks which uh, gives different play styles a little bit more uh, movement based for example for uh, for one power, maybe, uh, you know, giving a proper shield dash to the Valkyrie, which is what I was playing. Or a, uh, just throw the shield Captain American style, which is the actual the default weapon, which is actually very powerful and also somewhat uh, of a double-edged sword because it'll chain. But I found that it could also chain the food if you're not careful. <laughs> And there's also some puzzle elements, which was interesting, particularly in the boss fights. You know, having to figure out what to do on the fly. Uh, For example, one of the bosses, uh, it's completely invulnerable, but it'll pretty much one-shot anyone that it gets close to, and it moves rather slowly. But there's two buttons on the uh, ground. So we eventually figured out, uh, stand on the buttons in the... uh, this giant turntable in the middle will slowly spin up to uh, draw the heart out of the uh, boss to be able to do damage to it directly. And until then, it's just, you know, hack away at everything else. 
Uh, not a, really a lot to talk about here just because it is a more of a co-op focused game. And if you don't have anyone available to play, it's, I, I shouldn't say less fun because the single player is essentially a roguelite. And the, well, actually the main mode is as well where it has the chunk based uh, uh, generation uh, that most roguelites run through. Which at first I wasn't sure if it was, uh, you know, using procedural generation, but it seems that it is. Which uh, each level has it pretty much its set de- design that it has to have, you know, certain elements of, but then the connections are procedural. And they uh, throw in a lot of uh, interesting twists. For example, one level, uh, one element that we hit a, a couple times was on one level, death will be following you. Uh, you know, the Grim Reaper. And you get close to the Grim Reaper and he'll, you know, cost you a life quite quickly. And uh, you run away for a bit, then he uh, sinks back down to the ground and then uh, you have to uh, uh, essentially speed run the level. But certain rooms will lock if you don't have everything uh, killed. So you're it's a race against the clock, but also trying to dance around all the enemies and death. <laughs> but a lot of fun. Uh, Sounds interesting. Yeah, uh, I was gonna I was gonna play, but then I got roped into playing Rummy Friday night and got my ass kicked by my mother in law. So <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of uh, anything else. Uh, the uh, the continue system is interesting. It it plays off sort of the you know the old uh, you know, just pop in another quarter because you uh, start uh, uh, as you uh, kill enemies, a meter builds up, and once you get uh, the full meter you're essentially given an extra life a skull coin and for each skull coin you have in the pocket the meter gets uh, harder and harder to fill not impossible but you know you usually only have a couple uh, available and the idea of it is that you know if you lose one character you can easily rebuild that meter but if you start losing a lot of characters at once it's going to be a lot more difficult it's a very interesting balancing system and because some of the characters are a lot more squishier than others, uh, it, you definitely start to see, uh, for one, who's able to play their character better. Because, uh, for example, the elf is the weakest health-wise. At least out of the three that were that we had in our team, we had the Valkyrie, the warrior, and the elf. Which the elf is a range class, you know, archer. Yeah, it's an elf. Of course, it's an archer, right? Yeah. So uh, the elf has to try to stay out of trouble while the Valkyrie is sort of in the middle but also has a ranged attack by throwing the shield. And then there's also, you know, a secondary ability that you could uh, unlock with a amount of gold but um, that is a, a general ability. So, you know, you could get it where you could turn the tables on your uh, friends. You know, you turn... Uh, nearby food and potions into additional gold for uh, leveling up quicker. But, you know, then you may piss off your friends. Or you could uh, get summons, you could turn your uh, party invincible for a few seconds. And it really requires a lot of teamwork. And there was a few times that, you know, someone died and I accidentally walked over the gold and uh, ended up uh, being the greediest player. <laughs> and that's what they actually call it at the end of the level, the person that has the most gold. <laughs> Nice. But yeah, a lot of fun. 
I would say that's a lot better with three or four people, though. I'm not sure if it would be a good duo game. It's definitely doable, but it would be a lot tougher. It feels like it's bounced around having three or four players. Yeah, I've played the old Gauntlet, not in an arcade. It was yeah, um, it was on the NES as well. I remember playing it a little bit, but I never really got far in it because it was more built around uh, at least two players, but more the multi-tap. Remember the multi-tap? Yes, just barely. I played it on Xbox 360 because it was it came to the Xbox Live Arcade back back then, uh, like in the mid to late 2000s. I played it. But I, I never had anyone to play with. I just played it by myself. And it's not a great solo game. Yeah. Yeah, I would say th- uh, this is the same thing. It's it's a good game, but it's more co-op focused. And I think this yeah. has a uh, local co-op. Yeah, uh, it says it has a local co-op. So, yeah, uh, it'd be a good party game. Because the levels are fairly quick. I would say 10 minutes, 15 minutes tops. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put it on my wish list. I previously had it marked as not interested, but I think I'll put it on my wish list and next time it's cheap I'll pick up a copy. It'd be a good maybe uh, ne- it would be a good stream night game. Yeah. Next time it's cheap I might actually pick up a bundle or one of the four packs yeah. and distribute some more copies to people in our uh in our group. Alright, cool. What else do you play? Okay, well, even though I was too tired to do the Sunday Sampler, I at least attempted it. And I got some playtime with Double Kick Heroes before it released. And it proved the point that I am not the person to try to do a rhythm game in general. But this one, it's a rhythm slash shoot 'em up. And it's essentially, you know, like trying to jump on one leg, rub your... uh belly, pat your head, and chew gum at the same time, because there's a lot to balance. And it's just, it wasn't for me. I could definitely see that it was a, a, a fairly good game, even though it doesn't really have any reviews that I could see. It is in early access, though, so... Oh, it hasn't released yet. It releases tomorrow. I thought it released today, so... Uh... Oh, and my kit... <laughs> Uh, Double Kick Heroes is, well, like I said, it's a rhythm game meets twin stick, well, not twin stick shooter, but 2D shooter, where you're controlling a band who has hooked all their guns on their car in this zombie apocalypse to their instruments. And the idea is that you have to play your instruments while driving your car and killing everything that's trying to catch you. And this is based off of metal music as well. And I absolutely loved the soundtrack. I thought it was a really good soundtrack. And Well, to give you an idea of how things are in this game, you pretty much immediately meet a character who is in no way Marilyn Manson. <laughs> uh, it's uh, uh, Bedrian Branson or something. You know, totally not Marilyn Manson. Right. Absolutely not. Uh, and, well, I just didn't get far into it because, partly because I'm not really skilled at rhythm games, and there's a couple quirks in this that are a little strange. They do just slowly ramp up things. Uh, you have 
two triggers on your guns, uh, essentially the bottom and top guns on your car, uh, facing backwards. And those are independent uh, triggers. And it took me a while to really understand that there was a reload time on your guns. So, uh, trying to hit these notes that are very close together, I wasn't understanding why I was failing on them. You could see on some of the screenshots, you know, some rather rapid-fire uh, notes on there. Yeah. I wasn't understanding why I was missing them, because I would eventually start missing notes, and if you start missing too many, it penalizes you saying that you've, uh, you know, you're spamming the buttons, or you're missed too many notes, and your guns overheat, which locks down your guns for a few seconds, and pretty much that's a life. Because they do throw a lot of enemies at you. Well, I figured out because of that reload, if there's notes together, you know, you have to hit both triggers at the same time and essentially fire, you know, two guns at once. And because it doesn't really indicate that on the rhythm bar, it was something that I didn't really catch at first. And also, they start throwing in more things like having to steal the car, uh, steer the car to be able to line up shots. And it's a lot of Watching the uh, note, uh, notes come incoming, or triggers incoming, I guess is the proper term, because you're more hitting triggers on the beat instead of playing actual notes, you know, a la guitar here or something. And then they start throwing other things, like you can see on the uh, screenshots, there's a cannon as well that you eventually unlock. I didn't get that far because I was starting to have trouble controlling the car, hitting all the notes, and then also be able to hit all the triggers at the same time because... Yeah, there's a lot of going back and forth, and there's a lot of things to pay attention to. Plus, I was feeling rather tired about this point. <laughs> but something else that's kind of interesting is that they have a built-in editor. Uh, actually, a fairly decent uh, editor to be able to use, uh, make your own soundtracks as well, or own tracks for the game, which I actually really enjoyed. That's fancy. Yeah, yeah you don't usually see that on these. Yeah, I mean usually there'll be a lot of garbage, yeah, but yeah, usually it's some sort of or a third, uh, uh, yeah, third party uh, thing if there's one available at all. But the fact that it's built right in the uh, right in the game itself already is rather nice. And I was also having some recording issues with this as well. It may just be because I was having uh, I had a pre-release copy to try out, but it wasn't wanting to uh, uh, do a full 1080p for me. It was uh, doing a stretch 720p, so it made the pixel art uh, rather ugly. So that, but even the screenshots on Steam are at 720p, so that may be, you know, just how it is. And, you know, that's the max resolution, at least for now. But it made it so that the animations weren't very smooth. Everything looked a little jank. Uh, outside of the notes, thankfully, because that seemed to be uh, perfectly fine. Uh, scaled up, but, you know, it was just making it not quite as smooth or as pretty as it should be, you know? Yeah. So that's definitely a down po uh, point, but, you know, if you like your rhythm games and you want something very different and you like metal, well, here you go. Yeah. I put this on my wish list. I like the, uh, in the screenshots, like the, the shark and the, the yeah. dinosaur. Yeah, th they throw some uh, really weird shit at you. I mean, very quickly, I might add. I mean, a, a, a dinosaur with mouths all over it? Yeah. 
But, That's weird and cool. But you could see how even the screenshots on Steam are 720p. And there's also an interesting uh, combo meter, which was part of the reason why I was having problems was that uh, as you hit your beat at uh, over and over again, you start building up your guns. And you start off with a little dinky, essentially pistols, for lack of a better term. And as you hit that combo meter, it ramps up the damage more and more and more. But once you start missing notes, that starts going down very quickly. So it really punishes you if you start missing notes on top of the overheat mechanic for, you know, hitting buttons that aren't available. You know, hitting the triggers when they're not available. So it's one of those games that you definitely need to sit down and uh, spend some time with and not really master, but get competent at. And that wasn't something yeah. I was in the mood for. I could definitely see why people would like it, though. Yeah. I like the look of it. Yeah, and it has a like rather said, kick-ass soundtrack. I also just went on key mailer and requested a key, because if I could get it for free, why not? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if it's if it's cheap enough, I'll buy it after Battletech. I'm not buying any games until Battletech comes out. <laughs> can't, I, can't, I can't spend all of my, my Steam money. Well, I've been selling my TF2 stuff. I've been cashing out. Yeah. Yeah, so if you want TF2 stuff, well, I got a bunch of it on the marketplace. But since we're talking about rather kick-ass soundtracks, I also went back and played some Cuphead this week. And Cuphead, oh, it is still so satisfying to play, particularly whenever you go in, you start playing on a boss that you were having trouble with, and then you beat it your third attempt. <laughs> which is what I had uh, this time. Uh, I was stuck on the dragon, actually. Yeah, we're still stuck on the dragon. <laughs> Katie and I played some Cuphead this past week also, and we're still stuck on the damn dragon. Uh, well, for me, I found it was a lot easier once I changed up my loadout. Yeah. What loadout are you running? Um, I don't have the one that shoots behind you, and uh, I, don't I don't have use any that. coins. Oh, you don't? Okay. I've been using the regular pea shooter and the shotgun. Okay, well... the spread shot. Okay, here is what I used for Grim Matchstick. I used the lob shot, and then I used the charge shot. For all but the last phase, I just used the lob shot because it's very powerful, and whenever he goes to that phase where he's just on the bottom of the screen, I get ahead a little bit, then I turn around and start pelting him. But for the last yeah. phase, I switched to the charge shot because, well, I was doing the normal mode, which gives you the soul contract, which honestly, I don't really see the point of playing the uh, the bosses in easy mode because you're going to have to go back for them anyway. Yeah, maybe to just train, like, if you keep getting stuck, do the easy mode so you can get through the whole thing and see what all the phases are. Well, that that doesn't even work because sometimes the bosses have a, you know, missing a phase or something. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, for the last phase, uh, when, you know, he goes all Hydra on you, I go to charge shot because whenever he starts shooting all the uh, stuff at you, all the uh, fireballs and everything, if you hit them in flight, they split into multiple projectiles. The charge shot allows me to do a lot of damage to him, but only have a couple uh, shots in the air at once 
at most, usually just one shot, though. So it's more minimizing and focusing on the platforming. Yeah. I have the lob shot. I don't have the charge shot, I don't think. Well, the charge shot, I don't think it's a mandatory thing. It just makes it a lot easier. Let's put it this way. I went through, I three-shotted him, and I did a perfect on him. Nice. And then I got a C rating because I didn't do enough uh, slap attacks, you know, the, uh, you know, hit the pink things. Yeah. I can regularly get to the third phase, but Which I always the get final killed. Phase? Yeah, whenever he goes Hydra. Yeah, yeah. there's actually a second, uh, like, mini phase in the beginning where he starts... Uh, technically, he has four phases where he just uh, shoots fireballs at you, then he starts using his tail. Then he has the Parade of Fire, and then he goes Hydra. Yeah. Yeah, the Parade of Fire was difficult for a little bit, but then I figured out the pattern, just got it into muscle memory. Well, it's not, now well, it's not so much the that. pattern, it's more watching what direction the flames face. Because, uh, well, for those who don't know what we're talking about in general, Cuphead is essentially a uh, running gun platformer, but it's a, mostly a boss attack game, actually. You usually are fighting bosses, and I would say that the game is best when you're fighting the bosses and not the running gun stages. Which didn't Yeah, they... the running gun stages kind of suck. Now, I would say they're decent, but they're obviously not where the game was focused, and uh, it feels like they're tacked on mostly because I think they were. Yeah, it was originally basically just a boss rush game, and then they added the running guns after there were complaints from. Well, not complaints. I'm not sure if it was complaints. Enough. It was more okay. What's el- What else? Yeah. But a uh, Gr- grim matchstick is. Well, it's not the last boss because there's a lot of uh, you know choice where you can fight and who you fight in order. But he's a dragon on the second of four worlds, and he's considered one of the hardest uh, bosses in the game, just because there's so much shit. And then the first phase, he's shooting fireballs, which I have one of three possible patterns: either you know a uh, upper pattern, a lower pattern, or both at once. Which, uh, what, uh, dash ability do you use? Uh, the one that makes you invisible. Oh, uh, the, uh, the smoke screen? Yeah, that's why I use yeah, the small. It's pretty much a requirement for a grim, grim matchstick. Uh, but then he goes to a second phase where it's the same as the first, but he starts, uh, trying to hit you with his tail as well from the, the bottom of the screen, and he has this little, uh, warbling sound. Then he, uh, flies off and, uh, comes to the bottom of the screen and uh, sticks out his tongue, and all these fireballs start coming out. And the secret to that phase is watching what direction they face. Whatever you hear them go, uh, you know, going, hey! Because that's the uh, tell of what direction they're going to jump at you. Or if they're jumping at you at all. But that last phase is just crazy. <laughs> My last boss on the second world is the bird. Yeah, we haven't been able to beat the bird either. I'm so close to it. It's just I haven't had enough time in the last phase, but Oh, Cuphead is just one of those games that you bash your head against the wall, but when you finally beat the level, you know, that there's that release of endorphins that you know, big, you know, ah, I did it. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, I would have to say beating a difficult bu- boss in Cuphead is one of the most satisfying uh, uh, feelings I've gotten in video games for a long time. 
It's definitely up there. Uh, only thing that I think could really top it recently, and I'm talking recently as in the last five years or so, is doing a successful docking and Kerbal Space Program. That was definitely incredibly satisfying, too, the first time I pulled it off. Speaking of which, Kerbal's on the, on the Humble Monthly. Yeah. yeah that's a weird uh, combination, isn't it? I'll probably be skipping this month, too. Well, you don't want to buy Kerbal all over again? Yeah, no, I'm good. I bought it once. I don't need it again. Yeah, it's Kerbal. Uh, what else was it? Um, Dead Rising 4 and Which I have. something else. I don't know, I'm going to look right uh, now. Ruiner. Ruiner. So, yeah. Completely off topic, though. But, yeah. You know, very satisfying uh, gameplay. Uh, the, I would have to say that I'm probably going to be picking up the soundtrack for Cuphead when it goes on sale. On discount, I should say. Not, you know, uh, you know, being available because it is available. But I'm cheap. Yeah. But, oh, the soundtrack for Cuphead's so good, huh? It is very good. Very good indeed. But you want to, uh, want me to move along, don't you? I do. I want you to tell me about your next game, because <laughs> um, I've had my eye on it for Mashinki. a little bit now. Yeah, this is a strange one, because, uh, and the part of the reason why I kept Cuphead on my list, by the way. Okay. And you're wondering, how the hell is that connection working? Well, while I was playing Cuphead, I had Amy contact me and uh, drop me this game, just out of the blue. Uh-huh. So I spent about four hours on it, and I have thoughts about it. Okay. I like it, but I went into this more thinking it was going to be, you know, Railroad Tycoon, you know, a pseudo-business management game. It's not. It's not even close. That's not saying that's a bad game. It's it's going to be sort of by uh, how I felt about City Skylines for a long time, where I thought it was a decent game, but it's the same thing here. This is more, I would say, pseudo sandbox. With uh, well, they say it right on the tin with uh, essentially tabletop rules because it deals a lot in tokens and not money. So, the idea of this game is that you are dealing with a procedurally generated map and you have to balance... There is a pseudo-management thing here going on with having to balance making money while expanding out your empire. But it's a kind of a lonesome game where you don't really have any competition. It's just you doing your own thing. That's not a bad thing. It's just not quite what I was expecting. That sounds great. <laughs> I prefer that. I prefer not having any competition, just doing my own thing at my own pace. It's one of the reasons I like Transport and Train Fever so much, is that they're solo Okay, games. well, you'll really like this then. Uh, because this is really you doing your own thing. You do have to try to make some money, and to do that, you have to run a passenger line. And, and this is all depending on the map you, you, know, you uh, get on where you set up originally because you want to find essentially two or three towns that are nice clustered together to run passengers between. And as you do that and uh, you know, generate your money tokens, you could then branch out. And there's a couple of 
interesting things here where uh, there's a sort of a, uh, a supply chain that you have to deal with. Because in order to get research to uh, get to the next stage or the next era early, which there's only three of the seven available right now, you have to fulfill quests, which are also procedurally generated and can pop up at pretty much any time and also add additional resources to the, to the map. So, for example, to get from the first stage to the second, uh, for, well, from the first era to the second era early, you have to get coal tokens by taking coal uh, to a tool shop and taking logs to a sawmill and taking the uh, worked logs at the planks to the tool shop. And it requires a bit of management to be able to do that properly because all the trains, all the railroads are single wide only. There's no double rails. So you have to be very careful on one how you set up your rails, and also your orders for each individual train, because trains can run into each other, much like how Gomez Adams used to run his trains into one another, rather explosively. <laughs> yes, I made an Adams Family reference. Well done. Uh, which, considering the trailer for this game shows a kid playing with a train set, which, that's what it feels like, actually. It feels like sitting down with a model railroad and planning out an um, uh, yeah, pseudo-imaginary uh, world because of the procedural generation. I will say that the game doesn't run quite as smoothly as I would like. I mean, it's still doable for my system, but there was a weird uh, level of detail thing going on where close up it ran really well, far away it ran fairly well, but in a middle uh, range where the level of detail uh, is uh, shifting between the low-poly and the high-poly models, it, the frame rate just tanked for me. I'm not sure if it's just my system or what, but it's just weird. Yeah. But one, my big bugbear with this game is laying rails. It's not a bad thing, but you may look at the screenshots of this game and think, well, the terrain looks rather flat, right? I mean, not very hilly, right? Yeah. You would be wrong. The game treats the Z-levels of this game very shallowly, where even though there's a slight incline, you have to essentially approach it at 90 degrees. You can't do a diagonal against it without doing uh, some terrain manipulation, which thankfully you could do, but it's very expensive to do. So it's a weird trying to deal with a slope when you look at realistic view and it doesn't really look the, look like there's that much of a slope there. I realize that you know, that sounds very, very weird. But it's just, if you're playing without the strategic view, which they show on just actually two of the screenshots on here, the, uh, with the grid, it's very tough to tell where slopes are. Which could make trying to plan your route a lot more bothersome than need be. Not impossible, but if you're trying to run a particular route and you're betting on being able to run a train through a, a particular area, 
uh, you may be finding that be a little bit more expensive than what you actually intend. That's that's my biggest problem with the game is just you know how they handle the slopes. If the game uh, had a lot higher Z levels where there's a bigger elevation change between one level and another, where it made a lot more sense that you couldn't run the dangle rail, then I would have no problems with it. But because of that, it's a you know, it's a little bit troublesome, you know. Yeah. Do you have to gameplay? question do you have to play pay maintenance fees on your trains and tracks and stuff engines only at least up uh, up through the second era and that's the, as far as i got in uh, my time uh, okay. uh the maintenance is on engines only and depending on the particular engine it's different uh so, or resources for example uh well starting off you have a choice of three engines essentially a cheap one an expensive one and one that uses I'm not sure what the resources are there's a not a there's not a lot of tool tips in this game yet so mounting over it's a little tough to tell exactly what it is I'm just gonna call it gold because it's a gold icon but I don't think it's gold because okay it, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just supposed to be tools but oh well uh but you could uh, buy a, a train with those I, I don't think the gold one has a, a upkeep but then later on, you could get a train that from the coal icons, or the coal tokens, and that uses the coal tokens as its upkeep. So instead of burning your money that you're getting from uh, the passengers and uh, later on mail, because as you progress through the eras, more industries pop up as well. So the first uh, era you have... Uh, timber, you have coal, and you have passengers. That's your resources. You run uh, coal to uh, the different uh, to the uh, tool shop, and you run timber to the sawmill, and the, uh, the lumber from the sawmill to, uh, to the tool shop to uh, upgrade. Well, once you progress to the second era, iron mines show up, post offices show up to run mail between uh, towns, and you could only run uh, mail from one post office to another. But that is also a source of uh, money tokens. So there's more to do, and it causes you to just sit down and rethink your routes. So I do like that aspect. And I imagine going, yeah, I like to, that too. I imagine going to the third era, there'll be more icons showing up as well. It's just I hadn't gotten there yet. And as you uh, progress, or as you play, there's also uh, there's timed uh, uh, quests that show up. For example, a... Uh, forest near one of the coal mines out uh was working uh suddenly popped up a quest saying that uh the person that owned it uh is wanting to sell off a bunch of lumber because of a storm that hit the t- area and he wants to uh you know haul a, a thousand logs in the next 10 years then there was a thing where the sawmills were bitching because i wasn't hauling enough lumber because i was focusing on passengers to be able to build up my money to do a mass expansion because that's uh, what the uh, the rails cost is the money tokens uh, so they wanted me to haul more lumber to them and uh, a quest uh, popped up so saying that if I haul enough lumber to them in a year they'll give me a big bonus uh, the uh, progression to the next era is either just time you know time advancing or fulfilling a request there 
and those could pop up at any time and uh, really change things up. And I do like how you could set up your rails. I dislike the rail laying system. Yeah, just because of the Z levels uh, not being that apparent. But I do like the order system on the trains where you could tell them, uh, you could set a particular series of uh, stations. You could also set waypoints on your tracks. So let's say you want them to go around a particular loop. You could set proper waypoints for them to follow. Granted, the AI isn't 100% yet, and I have gotten them confused a few times. You know, there will be an obvious route, but they wouldn't want to take it without a couple waypoints to be able to steer them. But that's, you know, early access. And also, I would say that the, uh, the signal system is uh, done rather nicely. It's very intuitive and very easy to do. Essentially, you put down signals, and it portions off the rails into segments. And there's, at least up to the second era, there may be more later on, there's two types of signals. There's one that is just, is there a train in this area? Let's say you have a uh, circular track and you put down two uh, rails at like the 12 o'clock and 6 o'clock positions. If a train is in, you know, from 6 to 12, uh, uh, going clockwise, of course, it won't allow a train to go into that half of the circle until that train leaves the circle, all right? Or at least that half. The second type of uh, of signal looks at each of the segments and then will say, is there a place a train could go if they enter it? It allows the AI to try to uh, avoid the collisions. Granted, uh, sometimes with less than uh, spectacular results, but as the AI improves, that will be a lot more useful, I believe. Yeah, the <clears throat> the first one you talked about is pretty standard for all of these games because yeah. it uses the the blocking system. Yeah, and you could also the, set a, the rails. It, well, but... you can also set the signals to be one way. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, it will always uh, deny trains going in a particular direction, and that will cause the the routing system to try to avoid that. Granted, I did get uh, a couple times where trains would just uh, be nose-to-nose to one another because one tried to path a, a direction that I wasn't intending. Or it did some sort of weird thing where it was blocked off uh, from a particular, a particular route by a signal. So I tried to route around it. And it was using my service rails to uh, go around because I was trying to do a pseudo-realistic where I was limiting my number of depots. All the trains spawn from depots, and I was trying to do like a central area, and then it branches out. But because it, because of that, you know, I was having uh, trains trying to use the service rails that were supposed to be one-time use, but I didn't want to tear them up because in case I had to redo the train or I wanted to upgrade the train, I wanted to wait to get them back. But eventually, I just started putting down more depots and you know, saying screw it and doing essentially segmented uh, rail systems where they're, you know, this is the the section that's uh, servicing this uh, coal mine, uh, this lumber mill, and this uh, tool shop. And it's uh, serviced by this one depot, and it's completely isolated from the rest of the system. 
not what I wanted to do, but you know, the, uh, the routing system wasn't quite there to be able to do uh, you know a fully integrated system, at least yet. Or I could just be terrible at my management, which is very possible. Yeah, this sounds like it's about on the same level as train fever. Transport fever fixed a lot of those problems with the pathing. Well, and this is also early access, stuff. though. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, I did mention that this has terraforming in it. It's using the old SimCity style where the world is in a grid and to raise and lower the terrain, you're raising and lower each corner of that grid. And if you have a too steep uh, uh, angle, let's say, uh, well, a uh, mountainside, for example, it'll generate a rock tile, which is impassable, and you have to uh, rearrange things. And it's a little tough to be able to tell exactly when a rock tile will be uh, generated. Granted, I'm still fairly new with the game, so that may just be the fact that I'm inexperienced with it yet. But it makes... Uh, it makes it so that you can set up your slopes a lot easier. So I do like that. It makes it uh, so that they don't have to have dedicated tools for slopes, for example. But it was uh, kind of a like, oh, this is uh, like how SimCity 4 used to do it. <laughs> or going even further back, SimCity 2000. So did I... Well, all of this I, sounds good. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't sure I, if I sold you in the game or uh, chased you off from the game. No, I've been following its development for a little while now. <clears throat> if it ever goes on sale, I'll buy it. I've had a request for it on Keymailer for forever. Yeah, I was a little And I even tried that, uh, contacting them. To me. Honestly, I think she got us confused because she said it was uh, for a nice guy. <laughs> um, but I've even contacted them directly. But it's either a one-man <laughs> show or a small uh, dev it team. It was originally a one-man show, but they've... Uh, expanded to a uh, small dev team uh, after going on steam gotcha by the way machinki is russian for machines okay i wasn't sure what the uh, translation was and i uh or you know if it meant something i i wasn't either i looked it up while you were talking because i was curious and i never really thought about it but i saw the dev's name and i was like i think that's a russian name let me pop this into google translate and see if it means anything now, overall, it's not a bad little game. There's uh, some quirks about it, like uh, stations are a little strange because they only serve a small area around them, but also each towel of the station could only serve one car for that towel, uh, and it doesn't really go into that in the tutorial. The tutorial is still rather bare bones. So for a while, I was trying to set up a route where uh, my train would uh, take lumber from uh, the forest, take it to the sawmill, and then it had a lumber car on it, which would take lumber to a central station and dump it off there for another train to be able to carry everything around. Well, I wasn't getting it to load the lumber properly, and it took me a while to realize, oh, it needs more station tiles. And also, there's an extension system for the stations that wasn't really touched on at all where you could build up the stations to have a more uh, a larger area by adding restaurants or waiting rooms, which costs different uh, resources depending on the particular tile or particular upgrade. Uh, you could set it up where they have a bigger hopper. Let's say the you could have it where 
uh, a station will hold more coal and on each turn for lack of a better term each tick that as time progresses uh, the resources around the station will dump resources into the station uh, at a particular rate like uh, the, a town will generate so many passengers based on the number of tiles that the station ca- uh, covers in that town so a town that has a odd distribution of uh, buildings may uh, require a station in a very particular spot or a longer station than absolutely necessary to be able to cover enough tiles. And that's also for passengers how the money system is uh, generated because it's a passenger per house or church or whatever that's covered by that station. So it's a little finicky, but it's workable. It's just not a full town until you start upgrading. I I just wish that there were double rails. That would solve a lot of the pathing issues, actually. Maybe there would be in later uh, eras, but not right now. But then again, because this is potentially, you know, just a kid imagining this, you know, it may not have double rails, which would be a little bit of an annoyance, but not a deal breaker. Overall, though, I did like the game. Sweet. Well, I look forward to checking it out eventually. Either if I manage to get a review copy or buy it whenever it goes on Walk sale. Me on the head and the next steal time my, I have some extra. And steal my Steam account. Yeah, why not? That worked too. Alrighty. Well. Now on to my games. I technically have six, but most of them are pretty short. Uh, the first one up is Pizza Titan Ultra. Gee, so I've you talked about, about this last week. In case anybody missed the episode last week, uh, this is a sort of crazy taxi type game, except you're delivering pizzas in a 10-story mech. And like it's do. got a really... It's got a, a, a really bright cartoony cell shaded art style um the game is all about sort of silliness and satire um there are many references to many things in the game how far did you get uh not too far i only played it for about an hour um well, i did the tutorial and the first area um and then i stopped but uh I like all the reference stuff. I spent some time just going through looking at all of the different mecha parts to try and find or, you know, place all the references. And, like, there's one that's clearly an Optimus Prime, yeah. and there's one that's clearly Gundam stuff. Uh, and... There's, like, two or three Gundams. Yeah, there's a couple of Gundams. Um, and some others. Uh, there's a steampunk yeah. aesthetic, which is pretty neat. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the game is a, a lot of a lot of fun. Um, it's something that I would be good for me to pick up and play whenever I just have a little bit of time, but I want to play a game on my PC as opposed to a game on my phone. Mm-hmm. And that's probably how I play it. Uh, did you use controller or keyboard and mouse? Uh, I used controller actually. Okay. I did too. I also used a controller. Um, this, this is a really good controller game. I'm, it, I would assume it plays fine keyboard and mouse, but yeah, I played it using a controller because yeah. that felt right for the type of game that this is. Yeah, so uh, did you see what I uh, meant by sometimes the perspective is a little off if you're trying to do platforming? 
Yeah, it can sometimes be difficult to tell exactly how high something is and whether or not you need to find something else to uh, jump two levels or jump one. And sometimes it's difficult to tell yeah. at what level yeah, and also flying jet- enemies are at. And also your jetpack uh, is kind of a hover, not a proper jetpack. Yeah. Um, I didn't find any major problems with this game in any way. Like, I have a few nitpicky things. Like, what I just said, sometimes it's difficult to tell what height uh, flying enemies are at. And it's annoying uh, whenever they yell at you for destroying stuff in the city. And it's like... Well, I mean, if I get within, like, ten feet of one of these houses, they just sort of fall over. Well, but I mean, that's really the, nitpicky stuff. Uh, second area, you have to avoid uh, damaging stuff. But I kept failing because the enemies would damage things. Yeah, that's really frustrating that you can fail because the enemies damage stuff. Because they, they don't care. They just shoot and smash into stuff and fly around. And more than once, I would accidentally destroy stuff while I was fighting them. Because, like, the the ground attack... I Maybe I'm doing it wrong, or if I just haven't quite figured out yet... Like, how long you have to hold a button, or what speed you have to be moving at. But sometimes you'll, like, do a ground smash and destroy a bunch of stuff in an area around uh, you. That's and the sometimes you'll stomp just, like, ability. Uh, uh, if you're moving, you'll do a slide... Uh, uh, kind of uh just taking out the legs and if you're standing still you do a stomp yeah and it's all based on your speedometer in the uh, upper left hand corner oh okay yeah uh, the game actually has a lot of weight on its movement but as a good thing it makes it feel like you're controlling this giant mech and not just a character that just happens to be in a city you know yeah it's a good balance between being really quick and agile, but also feeling beefy, um, because there is a, a little. It takes it a it takes it a minute to turn. Yeah. Well, I mean, not a minute, but it takes it a couple of seconds to turn, as opposed to just immediately spinning around or, or turning. Yeah, particularly around or if you're going at a good clip, or if you're using the well the sprint ability. You know, you are not turning. Yeah. No, you're going in a straight line. I like the little mini game too. Like you'll find some, you know, just randomly people. Yeah, I only found that really out with the a first icon uh, level. I'm not sure if it's just I missed them on the later levels, or they're not in this build because this game doesn't release till the end of the month. So this is a very yeah. early access. <laughs> well, not early access, but uh, you know, early preview copy. Yeah, but I like the mini game. Yeah, just placing the pizza toppings and then baking it and then cutting it. I mean, it takes like I don't know. 15 20 seconds mm-hmm. but it just feels right it's hard to describe but it's like you're running around in this giant mech and it's like oh pizza i'm gonna make a pizza and like real quick just mm-hmm. make a pizza get some bonus cash punching buildings to deliver pizza like it's hilarious and it's over the top but i'm thinking like if the pizza guy showed up and smashed one of my walls i'd like i'd own that pizza place <laughs> yeah but it's the future yeah or uh, or it's, at the end of a, a VIP level. Yeah, the rocket fist. Yeah. It's... I love all the customization options, not just the different parts that you can acquire in the game to customize your mech's abilities and, and look, but how much you can go in and just change all the colors on your mech. I made mine baby blue and bubblegum pink. Yeah, but not nearly as hideous as I was counting on. 
No, it looked really good. I was expecting some purple uh, or something in there as well. Oh, I'll I'll change the color a few more times, I'm sure. But just the first color combination, I was like, yeah, this is what I want. But I really liked on the customization where they didn't have stats on the items themselves, but just buying the uh, items slowly built up the power meter to unlock the new ability. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Because then it doesn't penalize you for using whatever customization options you want. And you don't have to buy them in any order. Mm-hmm. You can buy whatever you think looks cool first. Yeah, like a top hat. And then get the other stuff later. Absolutely, like a top hat. Or the Optimus Prime set. Mm-hmm. I showed that to my kid. And he's like, ooh, Optimus Prime. And I was like, do you want daddy to get the Optimus Prime stuff? Uh-huh. Okay, so that's the first stuff I've been going for is the... What's it called in the game? Transformatron yeah. or something like that? But, I mean, it's it's Optimus Prime. Yeah, I mean, it's very yeah. thin references, but, you know, it's obvious what they are. I mean, come on. Uh, definitely Bob Ross. Immediately. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I like the game. It's a lot of fun. I like the concept. It's a nice It really comes down twist. to the price of it because they haven't announced the price. Yeah. If I... If I was purchasing this game as opposed to receiving a review copy of it, I think I'd easily pay. I mean, at five dollars, it's a no-brainer. Yeah. I think I would say this is. I'd a good easily pay buck. ten yeah. for it. Yeah, and I might be inclined to pay fifteen for it. I'm not sure if I'd go over that, but it's definitely a lot of fun, and I've enjoyed my time with it, and I will continue to do so. I uh, we posted last week's episode, and the developer tweeted out or tweeted at me. Uh, Let's see. I can go look it up. Yeah, he thought you were me. Yeah, basically he thought that I was you. Poor bastard. Let's see. My Twitter feed's a mess right now. I I have a trans friend, and we were talking about, like, we just talk about random stuff Mm -hmm. on Twitter all the time. And they brought up trans actors, and, and I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know of any trans actors, actually. And my Twitter feed has exploded. I've gotten like 600 notifications in the last two days. Uh-oh. Uh, is that a good or a bad thing? No, it's a good thing. Like, everybody's like liking those tweets and like telling me who trans actors are and what movies they've been in and stuff. But it's just like made it difficult to find anything on my Twitter account. I'll get there eventually, though. Or I could just, like, paraphrase. Basically, he was like, hey, go check out this podcast. They mentioned the episode. And then they tweeted at me again, like, wait, you don't have a copy? It's your co-host? Do you need a copy? Do you want a copy? I was like, no, I've already got a copy. Uh, I got a cop, or I, I, I got a review copy, or review code. I just haven't played it yet. I'll be sure and play it before the next show. And then I tweeted at them with my picture of my uh, pink and blue Mac and they liked, I think, your response to it. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's a fun game. Definitely, definitely a steal at five bucks, worth ten, possibly worth fifteen. For so, in you. other words, especially if you like this type of game. In other words, about the price of a pizza. <laughs> this game is definitely worth the price of a pizza. Absolutely. I want some pizza right now, actually, but I don't have any, and I can't order any because it's too late for where I live. Anyways, moving on to the next game on my list, Mechs and Mercs Black Talons. Uh, Mechs and Mercs is an independently developed real-time tactics game that has a lot of issues, 
a lot of people dislike it. Um, and I was pretty familiar with what the problems were. And I, I thought, you know what? I think as someone who's played strategy and RTS and real-time tactics games pretty much his entire life, I might be able to get through this. And it was on, it was on Humble on sale for like a dollar. Uh, and I was like, you know what? For a dollar, it's worth the risk. And uh, so, it, like I said, it's a real-time tactics game. And they big up the mechs and all of the advertising. But the mechs actually play a very small part in the game. Um, because as you, whenever you start missions, you have a, a, a weight limit on your dropship. And so for your starting troops, you basically can only afford one mech. And you definitely want to have quantity. Because this game commits the sin of the AI that just blatantly cheats on any difficulty uh. level. So you're limited to whatever reinforcements you have. Like you can, so you capture points on the map that allow you to bring in reinforcements from orbit. But there's a limit to both how many units you can field at a time, and a limit to the total amount of units you can field. Period. If they get killed, you can constantly reinforce them for forever, as long as you get them back safe to a landing zone to be reinforced. But if the unit gets wiped out, they're gone forever. Um. And there are they have some light RPG mechanics where that you can level up your units and they can get abilities and stat boosts and stuff, and that's helpful. But that system is fairly shallow, and given how long it takes to complete every mission, you'll have a squad within two missions that's at max level. So and then that's you a have to decide word <laughs> level up system. Yeah, well, the thing is, is it would take a lot longer if missions took less time to complete and was less grindy. But the reason they're so grindy is that the the AI has infinite uh, reinforcements. And I'm not sure if they have to follow the rule for how many troops they can have on the field at one time or not. It seems to decrease the more landing zones you take over, like they field less troops as you take over more landing zones. So it seems like they have some sort of, you know limitation on how many units they can field at once but they have infinite reinforcements so aside from the training mission which originally most people couldn't even beat the training mission because your guys were so weak and they had to fight infinite reinforcements that you just couldn't win it so unless you're not the cuphead tutorial no no um they changed that so that the tutorial mission doesn't have infinite reinforcements and then you can beat the tutorial And then you can, it has campaign missions and side missions. And some of the campaign missions, it's fine that there's infinite reinforcements because they feel more like tower defense type levels where you set up defenses and defend an area or something like that. You just hold out. And so that's fine. But the other campaign missions and side missions that require you to actually take objectives or destroy things or whatever on the map, it really starts to eat at you how long and how grindy and how cheaty the AI is. I played a mission for uh, 90 minutes, and I was va- I was slowly winning, and I was going to quit after I finished the mission anyways, because I've been playing for about three hours. I was ready to take a break. I was like, as soon as I finish mission. this mission, yeah, as soon as I finish this mission, I'm going to take a break, be done for a while, I'll have enough money to buy a third mech, which will fill up my mech bay for now. Um, it'll be great. It'll be fine. And, uh, then. and after and after 90 minutes, I hadn't won, 
and I started to actually lose, and a couple of my high-level units got killed, and I was like, fuck this, I'm quitting for right now. And, and I haven't gone back to play it since. Um, it's got some good stuff in it. The RPG system, even though it's shallow, is still nice because it allows you to specialize units, and you can do things like name units, and you can customize their weapon loadouts. Um, and different unit types have different loadouts to choose from, so you can't just give everybody like rocket launchers or something like that. At least with that, which kind of sucks because rocket launchers are awesome. But uh, you know, you can still customize their loadouts and and create units to help or to perform certain tasks. Um, the mech system, uh, most of the mechs have like one hard point that is not customizable, and that's sort of like the idea of what the mech is. Like one of them. One of the starting mechs has got this massive rocket pod on its shoulder, and you can't change that. So you have to either figure out how to complement it or give it like dual functionality based on what that rocket pod is. Another one has like a shield that you can't remove, so you have to decide how you want to use that to your advantage. So that's pretty nice. I kind of like that system. Um, it's fairly light customization, but it's enough that you can you can really feel like you're building stuff to, to perform a certain task and there's no penalty or no cost to do the customization. So you can accept a mission, read the briefing and then go set up your entire unit to best tackle that mission without any penalties. So that's nice. Um, it seems like it's got a decent story based on the first few hours of play and the first few campaign missions. Um, and it's nice to see, a strategy game that seems to have a, a more thought out story than just, uh, there's an alien invasion. And we, we got to kill everything. Cause that gets old after a while. Um, well, it worked for Starcraft. Yeah, I, it works for a few games, but when every game does it, it gets boring. Uh, it's not much of a looker. The graphics are not super great, which is not the biggest deal. Number one, I don't give a shit about graphics most of the time anyways. And number two, it's an RTS, so you're pulled out from the action most of the time, so you don't notice that the graphics aren't that great. But, you know, that might bother some people. So, the, just the biggest problem and why everyone hates it is that the AI cheats on every difficulty. They don't have to follow close to the same rules you do, and that makes every mission that's not defend this point a grind fest. And if you fuck up, it's like, or even if you don't fuck up, if you just, you know, lose some key units because the game cheats, you're like, well, shit, there goes however much time of my life. There goes an hour and a half. I would say that if you can pick it up for like a dollar to just play around with it, it's it's it shines for the first four-ish hours because the first set of campaign missions where you can't go off of the the beaten path, you know, where it hasn't opened up yet. That's a really good short campaign for a, a, a real-time strategy game. But then after that, when it opens up and it starts giving you lots of different mission types and areas to go to and stuff to do, it falls apart because those missions just turn into massive grind fests because they're much less, uh, what's the right word I'm looking for? They're Fair. much less, they're much less fair. They're much more poorly put together. Um, so, yeah, it just devolves into garbage. So I don't 
feel like I feel like I got a dollar's worth of entertainment out of it. But beyond that, I don't know if I'll ever go back and play this game again. So in other words, because I got so pissed off at it, I'd buy that for a dollar. Uh, next game on my list, which I didn't buy for a dollar and I wouldn't buy for a dollar, is Galactic Harvester. This is a very simple and simple-looking farming game uh, where the idea is that you are uh, building a farm on another world because uh, our Reason. solar system has gone gone to shit because the star's dead. So you're trying also, to... the bulb went out. Yeah, so you're trying to build farms to sustain human colonies. Um, and it's got a, a cute little art style. It, it's very uh, voxely, low-poly art style. Everything's peppy. It's got like a peppy little song and cute animations. And for like 30 minutes, you're like, yeah, this is fun and nice and cute. And then it also falls apart. It's very, very simple, which is fine. I don't have a problem with the game being simple. That would make it a pretty good podcasting game or a pretty good doing something in the background type of game. But it's too fiddly. Everything is just takes too much time and is just too annoying. So, for example, um, you, you, you till the ground to plant your first crops. Um, and the tilling part's easy. You just drive over and it has a wide swath of tiles that it tills the ground for you for so you can go plant stuff in it. And it's like, that's great. So you get your first seeds to plant stuff. And by at the beginning, you can only pick up one item at a time. So every single plot you want to plant. one You go pick up a seed, you plant it. You drive around, you pick up your next seed, you plant it. And repeat, add in, you know, forever. Until you're done with that. Then you wait for your plants to harvest. You go to harvest them, and then you have to pick them up one at a time and drive them over to the little thing where you drop it in. And you have to stop because this game uses physics, so things like have momentum and weight to them. So you have to stop and drop your, your crop, and if you accidentally bump it, it will it might fly out of the little collection bin. And your crops, you don't harvest them. They just like pop out of the ground, even and even the crops that you have to use the harvester for, they just sort of pop out of the ground, and there's no way to actually collect them. So literally every item has to be picked up and dropped off one at a time. Sounds so fiddly, doesn't it? It's so fucking fiddly. There's a a very simple research system to it, which is like the more food you grow, the more colonists you attract, which gives you points to spend on the the research tree. And then also money to buy things. So you can buy different seeds and cosmetic items. And later on, there's things you can buy like um, sprinkler systems and stuff like that. Which none of the starting crops require you to water them, but the later ones do. And one of the first things that you can get is... um, What's it called? A bucket picker or something like that. And I'm thinking, okay, thank God I get this. It's really frustrating at the beginning and that sucks, but I can get this bucket picker... And I can grab multiple items at a time. But no, what it does is it puts like this little catcher net thing on the front of your tractor, which you have to then use to sort of try and herd the items in wherever you want them to go. And you can't actually pick them up, so it relies on the physics engine, which is really basic and terrible. So half the time you're just flinging shit across the map trying to get it and drag it into the collection bin. 
And at that point, I just got frustrated and I quit. And I haven't played it anymore. It's no, it's no fun. Yeah, and it had sound potential. Like going to make the, uh, the early access goals. Uh, according to the blue box, uh, they want to leave early access by the end of the year. Not sure about that. <laughs> I mean, it's got some potential to be a good podcast game or background game. Um, if they just make it a little less fiddly, because it's super simple, yeah, much, the music is peppy and nice. How much of the tutorial and yeah, you know, it it looks interesting where you know they're driving around and everything, but the thing is that uh, because having to go pick up everything one at a time. Having everything fly around, yes, it makes for an interesting trailer, but yeah, really fiddly, annoying gameplay. And it does seem like there's a little bit of depth to it. There's a you can generate whatever type of planet or really body because you can do asteroid farming. I'm not quite sure how well that would work, but you can randomly generate or you can self generate a variety of different types of worlds. That some have longer day or longer night or higher level moisture levels, um, different types of atmosphere. So it it there's at least some depth on like setting your difficulty and how well certain crops will grow or things like that, which is you know a good starting point. But the gameplay is just so fucking fiddly, bugs me. But you know it, it's got some potential, but it it needs to have some work done for sure also the entire game is played with one hand um you don't use the mouse at all except in the menus and then you use WASD to drive around Q E F and R to interact with things and that's it that's all you use for the entire game so uh, in it, other words if the tractor had some sort of vacuum attachment that would be great if you could get a vacuum attachment and have like a little I don't know, trailer or something, and you could vacuum up your stuff and then dump the trailer. That would be great. Only if it uh, made the noise. Right? <laughs> yes. And of course, every so often, whenever you pick up something, it goes. But uh, they could do something like, uh, what's the slime rancher? Because the little vacuum yeah. in slime rancher has just got an inventory on it. And you suck stuff up and then you spit it out into your collector. Yeah, slime rancher that would, would be, be great. A good, uh, I think, uh, comparison to this. Good. Slime, uh, slime Rancher has its own uh, inventory problems. <laughs> yeah, but it's better than this. Because yeah. you don't have an inventory. True. Uh, so next game on my list, Franken-Girl. This is a mobile game. There's a free-to-play version of this game, but I bought... Uh, it was on sale. I bought it for 99 cents. I think it's normally like two fifty or so something So you bought like that, that for a dollar? I bought that for a dollar. And this is a relatively simple mobile game. It's a combination of a a clicker and... Well, I don't really know. You assemble girls from parts. So you're a scientist. And there's actually a really interesting backstory that you find out as you play the game and you build these girls. But as the name exi- uh, implies, Franken-Girl, you're a scientist. And you grow girls in a lab. Right. Uh, the game opens up and there's like this time traveling lady and she's like don't give up on your project we need you you're you're the key to everything i'm the key to everything keep working no and then like the portal closes and you're like what the fuck okay i guess i'll keep working on my project 
and you get this Franken girl thing going and you you grow body parts in your lab and you collect different body parts and then you assemble them into different types of girls and you can give them different outfits to create different Franken girls and you create the girls and you uh do you do stuff with them, but it's not sex stuff. Right. So, of course it isn't. I mean, you're just grooming girls for, out of the kindness of your heart. This isn't creepy so, at all. So, okay. So the story to this game, what I've gathered so far is there was some kind of artificial intelligence uprising that caused the apocalypse. Like you do. But the humans, the humans won, but the AI in like a, a last ditch fuck you spite attack uh killed most of the female population of the planet so the human birth rate has dropped to unsustainable levels and eventually humanity's going to die off so you're creating these women or these girls to repopulate the female portion of the, the human race so that you can repopulate the human race but then you discover through the magic of bioengineering and chemistry that you can create superior humans for specific tasks and so you have a list of of objectives that you get and quests that you get as you go through the game to create these specific types of girls to fulfill specialist roles and so you can just make girls uh and for lack of a better term release them into the general population and that's a good thing because you're helping to repopulate the earth. And so you get funding to support your lab for doing that. But you also have a university that you can send these girls to. And whenever you complete one of the special girls and send her to the university, she has a, like a, a learning period where that essentially just a meter builds up. And then once the meter builds up, you send her to whatever her specific job is and you get like a huge bonus and another part of the story is unlocked and you'll get the next big quest. It's a really weird game. I was about to but say. It's like, but it's like the right kind of weird that I like. So, yeah. The free version of the game doesn't include any of the story or anything like that. So basically you can just make girls. So if you're into that, by all means, go ahead. But the paid version is the one that, that has the story. So, it's it's fascinating. And weird. But, like, obviously you can make, like, animu. You can make, like, a cat girl and a cow girl. Like, an actual cow girl and a pig girl. And you can make a zombie girl. Um, I, I think that's kind of defeating the purpose with the zombie girl. Aren't you supposed to be, you know, repopulating? Yeah. <laughs> You can make a Sailor Moon, basically. Um, there's a few other ones. No, no, that I've it'd seen, be Sailor Moon or something like that. Well, I mean, it's not. It's very clearly Sailor Moon or a Sailor Moon knockoff. No, no, it's a what no way it? Sailor Moon. I think that like the the outfit for that is called Moon Powered. Is is what the outfit is called? And I haven't found any Moon Powered body parts, so I don't know if you. That's now, specific, or if you have to just like, where are you yeah. getting the body parts? You grow them in the lab out of seeds. Uh, I haven't. Wait a minute. I haven't got an explanation for that yet. I don't know if they're magical seeds 
or if it's some byproduct of the war with artif- the, the AI or what. But yes, you grow them from seeds. And you have an unlimited supply of normal seeds. And then there's special seeds you I'm can acquire sure by completing quests. I'm pretty sure there's no such thing as normal in this game. <laughs> it's a really weird game. But, uh, yep. I'll let you know how it ends whenever I finish it, because... God damn, does it take a long time to train, excuse me, to train those girls up. But, yeah. You can you can get boosts and stuff. Everything, you get a shitload of in-game money, but the monetization is still in there. Like, if you want to just buy stuff to speed up your progress, because of course it is, because of course it's a mobile game. But I buy don't know if you get... Vaginas. I don't know if you get, like, way less money in the free version or whatever, but not once have I been tempted to buy anything in-game just because I get enough money to improve things. And you can, like, of course, you can improve your laboratory so you can grow body parts faster. You can improve your school so your girls get trained faster. And you can improve other stuff. But, yeah. It's fun. It's weird. You find the weird shit. Yeah, I do. I do indeed. Uh, moving on from that to my last two games, which I'm going to kind of group together, uh, Mech Warrior 4 Mercenaries and Mech Commander 2, both games which I've talked about numerous times on the show because of how much I love them. Uh, I'm just really excited for Battletech in two weeks, and I really hope that game doesn't suck. But in my excitement for Battletech, I wanted to go back and replay some of the older uh, games in that universe. Uh, and Mech Warrior 4 and Mech Commander 2 are both... Um, Abandonware games, which you can easily download from myabandonware.com, which the links to that are going to be in the show notes because that's the links that I put in for these games. If you've never played them, I would suggest that you do. MechWarrior 4 Mercenaries is a little bit fiddly if you don't have a joystick to get it working properly with a mouse, but within 10 or 15 minutes, you should have that set up, no problem. And then Mech Commander 2... Use the ISO because the ripped file does not have all of the audio assets. Um, If you get the ISO and essentially rip all that stuff, you can put them into the ripped file and it'll work fine. But if you don't want to go through that process, just use the ISO. You know, outside of uh, MechWarrior Online, I'm a little shocked we haven't really seen another successful mech game. Or, uh, yeah, piloting mech, I should say. Yeah. There was... There was a couple well, of the mech- uh, that uh, style, but they don't, They weren't the stompy, you know, slow, uh, essentially walking tanks. They were the Japanese-style yeah. you know, uh, mecha. Yeah, Chrome Hounds was the last successful stompy mech game before MechWarrior Online. And that was like a mid-2000s Xbox 360-only mm-hmm. release title. Um, but yeah, all of the mechs in that game were really slow and felt very powerful. Yeah, I mean, it felt, can, it uh, felt very MechWarrior-inspired. Hawken fell through rather quickly, didn't it? Uh, I think Hawken survived for a couple of years, but it died off. Hawken was more like a first-person shooter with a mech skin. Yeah. That's what that game felt like. Which was alright. I played Hawk and it was a fine game, but it's not what I wanted. I wanted MechWarrior. But MechWarrior Online, it really suffers from free-to-play yeah. 
the free to play mechanics. Yeah, I game. like it overall. It's just it's such a grind to do anything, or it's Which fucking I, expensive. And I like my kiddies where they are. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think uh, Mech Warrior Five, which is also supposed to come out late this year, like Q three or Q four, so it, it might get pushed to twenty nineteen. But Mech Warrior Five looks like they basically took Mech Warrior Online and made a single player game yeah, out of it, a, which a story campaign. Which I'm fine with that because MechWarrior Online does look and handle really well. So, it, like, it's a solid game. It just suffers from being a free to play game with everything being either ridiculously expensive or locked behind a paywall of some yeah, kind. Yeah, they transitioned the idea of running a mech with a joystick to mouse and keyboard rather well in MechWarrior Online. Yeah, I prefer to use a joystick just for the, you know, the feel of it. Yeah. But it does. I mean, I, I've played it both ways, honestly. Well, we both know you go both ways. Better. I think it plays better with mouse, but I I just like the feel of using a joystick. Well, it adds the uh, additional accuracy, and MechWarrior yeah. Online's built around being more accurate. Uh, the uh, original MechWarrior series had a little bit of aim assist to be able to handle the. Uh, well, the less precise uh, joystick movements. If memory serves correctly, it's been a while since I've tried to play them. Mm, I think there was a little bit, not a lot. There was a lock-on uh, for a particular it, weapons. Yeah, it's hard to tell with MechWarrior 4. Well, here's the, between... th- here's the thing, is that done well, a lock-on mechanic isn't as apparent as some games make it. It it doesn't feel like there's one, but it that could be a combination of either it's done really well and I haven't noticed, or the game is not intended to be played with the type of joystick that I have, um, because this is a USB joystick that's ultra-sensitive, and it's really twitchy. So I had to kind of mess with the settings to get the the dead zone just right. So it could be a combination of those. I, w- I will say that if you're, you try to use a HOTAS with MechWarrior 4, yeah, I hope you have one of the ones that's like combined together because it doesn't recognize multiple devices. And my HOTAS setup, each piece uses its own USB connection. So I could use either the throttle or the stick, but not both. And I was like, well, I guess I'll use the stick to, to drive and shoot, and I'll just use the keyboard. No, you use for the throttle to, uh, the rest to of stuff. steer. <laughs> oh, up for right and down for left. Or you just you just turn the throttle sideways. I do. Yeah, I actually like could rudder. steer with the. I could steer with my throttle because I have a rudder. It's got a rudder button on it, or a rudder. I don't know what you'd call it. Paddles um, that are analog as opposed to just being buttons. So I could actually steer. But that would actually work really well aim. together. You know, the rudder would be able to turn the mech. Or yeah. turn the torso, I uh, should say. Because that's, I keep intending... that's one thing that I think a lot of people, at least uh, newbies on MechWarrior Online, didn't realize is it's really important to learn to turn the torso. Yeah. Yeah, If I, I keep intending to play MechWarrior Online with my HOTAS, but at the same time I keep going, ah, but, but that grind. all those free-to-play mechanics, that grind... I should play it a little bit just to test it, though, because it would be sweet to use the whole setup. Maybe I'll do that this week. Yeah, it's just... The grind put me off of MechWarrior Online, and 
Uh, that's something else that's always bugged me is microtransactions in free to play games never feel micro. Yeah. Yep. I, we're, um, we're focusing more on the Mech Warrior aspect. Mech Commander is much closer to what Battletech is yeah. going to be. Mech, Mech, the Mech Commander series were real time strategy, whereas Battletech is going to be turn based, mm-hmm. uh, more like the tabletop game. But same it seems like they're closer in in concept and also gameplay so because in mech commander 2 you've got a lot more control over the mechs and how you customize them i mean there's plenty of customization in mech warrior 4 with loadouts and things but in mech commander 2 there's a lot less limitations on what you can do to customize and there's also some light rpg elements in mech commander 2 where you can level up your uh, your pilots and give them skill boosts and other things but uh yeah good games good games can't wait for BattleTech. i i really hope it's not bad i i haven't been this excited about a game in a long time and it really sucks when games you're excited about mm-hmm. suck so fingers crossed it's not bad well it's not like the studios uh had uh you know good games in the past though I don't know what games they've made in the past. Or have they made any? It's Hairbrained. Oh, it is it Hairbrained? It's Hairbrained Schemes. Uh, they made Shadowrun Returns. Okay. Yep, Shadowrun Returns, good game. So, oh good! Now I'm a little more excited and slightly more confident. Granted, they do have Necropolis uh, Brutal Edition, which didn't do it all that well, but... Yeah, they got all the, all the Shadowruns. They're, well, the newer Shadowruns. Mm-hmm. And that's good, because those games are good. All yeah, right. My, my only Excellent. concern about uh, Battletech really is the publisher more than the developer. Uh, Paradox, yeah. right? All the DLC. Yeah. I could deal with that, though, as long as the game's good. Granted. That, and that not has filled a... with microtransactions and loot boxes and bullshit. Yeah, if, if they have... Uh, uh, loot boxes. Well, let's just put it this way. I'm going to go downstairs, get a pretzel, and I'm just going to sit and watch Twitter. Because I have a feeling it'll be entertaining. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. Alrighty. Well, that wraps up the games that we played this week. And as usual, we went way longer than we thought we were going to. Do you need a quick break? Nah, I'm good. Okie dokie. Then let's move on to our first topic. Of the week, the PUBG Corp files a lawsuit against NetEase for alleged copyright infringement. <laughs> this uh, thing is a mess. A convoluted mess. No, this is dumb as fuck. This is, that's what, what this is. It is dumb, uh, when, too. When I started seeing this coming around in the news cycle, I actually stopped and I looked at the date thinking, okay, is this an April Fool's joke that just got out late? Because this is one of those things that is just stupid. This feels like a you know an April Fool's joke, but it isn't. So this is uh, Blue Hole being complete asses again and suing someone. Remember they uh, were throwing a fit about Epic with Fortnite a while back. Well, now they're actually uh, picking on a Chinese mobile developer. Uh, of course, because they just released PUBG on mobile. But, oh, it, 
how do we want to approach this? Because uh, the court document is a hundred some pages. Uh, we do have. Yeah, we're not. Uh, we do have Leonard French, uh, French's video, which he actually says that there may be a case, but this is also approaching it as a potential. Uh, he was approaching it as a lawyer uh, potentially for the plaintiff, plaintiff, uh, saying that. Yeah, maybe he would be able to argue a case with this, which, you know, that's, yeah, one thing versus another. But we also have videos for Jim Sterling and Zilda Alpha. So we have a wide assortment of uh, video content to uh, uh, fall back on if we don't explain this well enough. Yeah, I don't want to go through the entire lawsuit because that would take forever. And also, I haven't read the entire lawsuit. But... The let's go with like a a gist. Well, well, well let's well you let's know, it, go with what started this originally. It's not the game itself. Which uh, what was the actual games? This is a uh, two uh, battle royale uh, mobile games from Knives Out and Rules of okay. Survival, which I believe Rules of Survival is pretty much a clone of PUBG. Well, sorta. And I can't remember if Knives Out was. Another clone, or just well, what close well, enough? What they are really arguing about this? Well, outside of gameplay mechanics, which uh, don't get me started on that. Their big argument on this is that there's brand confusion because YouTubers are equating PUBG and Rules of Survival and Knives Out, ignoring the fact that this is essentially clickbait slash manipulating the SEO to trying to get other videos showing up on PUBG search results. That's that's all that is. That's not YouTubers confusing PUBG and these other games. It's them trying to work the uh, SEO, the algorithms on YouTube. Period. Nothing else. But Bluehole is a, well, a blue asshole in this. Which that sounds like, uh, even worse now that I think about it. Uh, and uh, really going after these uh, other developers trying to stomp out any competition that they can. Never minding the fact that they're creating a lot of negative publicity in the process. So I'm looking at both of these games on the Play Store. Uh-huh. Uh, rules of Survival is close enough that I would say, aside from just, like, the gameplay mechanics, like, it it looks like a ripoff. But Knives Out has got maybe, you know, gameplay mechanics, but it's got a a little bit of a different art style, and it looks like it's got some different play mechanics. Well, considering what they were actually going after in this, it's more the fact that there's similar things in the game. Like they were talking about shipping containers. They were talking about the styles of houses. The fact that there were houses in the game, essentially. Uh, The fact that... Frying pan. uh, Don't get me started on the iconic frying pan. And no, (laughs) I'm not making that up. They're actually calling it an iconic frying pan. Yeah, not proper iconic, but Ubisoft iconic. I think... I'm pretty sure Jim Sterling Sterling said that in his video. Oh, it's just... What the hell? <laughs> uh, uh, probably the most striking is the fact that 
uh, there's uh, they're bringing up the idea of the map screen and even the pregame lobby. So they're talking about how they essentially cornered the market because they created the pregame lobby. Right. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't see how they have a case at all. But I got the sense that Leonard French was like, you know, I might have a case, but it's not a good case, and I'm pretty sure I wouldn't win. Like, he didn't say those things, but that's how it came across. Yeah, that's, uh, he was essentially uh, playing devil's advocate and trying to approach it as a lawyer for the plaintiff, saying there may be a little bit of a case here. But considering he was talking about, okay, I'm going to show these on screen from the PDF uh, court documents and let you be the judge or let you be the jury. I mean, the fact that he was approaching it like that tells me that he doesn't really think that, at least in my opinion. I could be wrong on that. But (laughs) damn. uh, Yeah. I think outside of the whole thing, the fact that uh, the the rubber chicken. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The, the the frying pan is still my favorite, but yeah, the rubber okay. chicken. And I believe it was rules of survival. They have a um a melee weapon that's a rubber chicken that allows you to run faster. And blue hole is going after them because they're saying that invokes the winner winner chicken dinner message. Because that's unique to PUBG and has never been said anywhere before, yeah, ever. Yeah, definitely not. If that's the case, all right, if they are going after uh, Rules of Survival and Knives Out for that, Robocraft Royale is a fucked. You know why? Why is that? Well, they don't use uh, the winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'm, I'm trying to... F- uh, I find it on here because it, it's just stupid. Did they pull Robocraft Royale, or I'm not just not seeing it. Uh, I'm not seeing Robocraft Royale. The Steam page doesn't go anywhere. The actual Robocraft Royale site is still up or web page, but whenever you click on the Steam link, it just goes to the Steam store page. Oh, back soon. Dear Robocraft Royalers, it's time for us to implement building and reflect on what we've learned from you. In the meantime, we'll be taking the game down in order to bring something incorporating the improvements you've asked for. Wow. So, that's a thing. <laughs> I, I was going to... I, I wanted to get the proper term because it, w- it was just stupid, but it was obviously uh, harping on PUBG. I believe it was uh, Boosty Boosty Ham and Cheese t- or something. That, that's why I was wanting to go look at the page to be able to make sure I had it correct. I still have Robocraft Royale installed. I never played it. I, I won't do it now, but I'll try and launch the game later and see what happens. But yeah, I didn't even know Robocraft Royale was down. I was uh, you know, wanting to go get that phrase. But yeah, uh, there has to be some sort of record for the quickest of Battle Royale games gone down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my so reading this announcement farther uh, picking up in the middle of a sentence uh, Robocraft Royale followed a different path and has not achieved the popularity we have hoped <laughs> the game 
The game is simply not engaging enough to compete with already established Royale games, nor did the Robocraft community embrace the product because it lacked building, which is a cornerstone of Robocraft. It was always the intention of ours to add building, but we admit not enough importance was placed on it in this aspect of the game in the early phases of development. So, we've decided to close down our early access game on Steam. We'll take time to reflect on what we've learned. Learnt? We'll take time to reflect on what we've learned. That's actually what it says. And develop a I new mean, technically game based correct, on but it's, suggested. But yeah, it's a little cumbersome. It's something that uh, reads better than uh, what it's uh, spoken. Yeah. So there we go. Robocraft Royale is maybe gone. Uh, it's, it's going back in the oven. Yeah. So there we go. That was a little detour. Yeah. I, I didn't intend that. I didn't know. I just wanted to get the phrase. The more you know. Well, knowing is half the battle. Uh, it it's half the battle royale. The f- huh? Huh? <laughs> and that announcement was posted on the 4th uh, of April. So, last week on Wednesday. Yeah, so. Uh, that could have been in the show. <laughs> on the docket, but I didn't know about it. Yeah. So, what I'm... The the thing that gets me the most about this whole lawsuit, beyond the frying pan being my favorite part, is even by some miracle, if they put together a case and they win, there's no way to enforce anything on the Chinese developers. There have been similar lawsuits for other products. Uh, the car industry comes to yeah, mind. direct the, copies, not... Direct copies of stuff that people have won the cases and the Chinese companies have just ignored them because they don't export those vehicles to um, countries where the lawsuit would have been effective. So they're just like, fuck it, we don't have to listen to this. And they might, they might, we get so, it gets so convoluted because there's no clear line and every country treats digital products differently. But the worst thing that I could see happening if they somehow manage to, if PUBG somehow manages to win this case, is that NetEase just just goes, okay, fuck it. And then they pull the game from um, American, the the American app stores. And then, you know, and and they just go about their merry way. Well, if PUBG wins, well, then they're going to be constantly in uh, lawsuits because... It puts precedent in the law, and wouldn't that open them up to a lot of problems? Yeah, because they borrowed or used a lot of pre-existing assets from other games. Well, well, um, uh, that, well the that's, Arma series. Well, and, that's not exactly against the law. I mean, they're using uh, asset store stuff, but the fact that they're uh, using asset store stuff and then complaining about other games using likely asset store stuff it's just stupid or the or the guns the guns are the good one where both games are modeling their guns after real life guns and then PUBG is throwing a fit because the other game's guns look like theirs when they don't own the fucking uh, images of the guns to begin with yeah they don't own the guns they don't own any of those rights or anything so yeah, this is just stupid all around. It's kind of humorous, but at the same, but it's it, it, mostly it's just like and, face and palming. Sour grapes. They are 
trying to throw a fit because they've lost the number one spot in the Battle Royale market. They still have it in China, but China is a complete quagmire because of the rampant cheating to the fact that Dell actually markets their computers to be able to run more cheats than the competitors. Yep. Yes, I was able to work it in. <laughs> you were able to work it in. Good job. I'll let you fix it in the show notes. Yeah, uh, but yeah. yeah, Dell actually has a marketing campaign, and part of it is talking about running more cheats. And this is actual an actual Dell employee talking about this. Or sorry, they're using the term add-ons, not cheats, because, yeah, but didn't they talk about how the, their players are the best in the world because of the cheats? It's like talking about how uh, Russian athletes are the best in the world because they they have every steroid in existence in their bloodstream, right? Because they use all the steroids. No, I just yeah. naturally have uh, horse ho- hormones in my bloodstream. <laughs> oh, it's just astonishing. In Russia, steroids take you. But yeah, it's this whole thing is just dumb. Yeah, it reads like a bad April Fool's joke. And it honestly, like what I think this does, and you know, maybe a lot of people just don't give a shit, but what I feel like this does is just make PUBG look worse and worse. Because it's like, oh, you can't settle for being number two. You can't settle for having... For still having, like, two million active players or whatever. I mean, whatever. they're still the top Battle Royale on Steam. Yeah. Like, you can't settle for that. You have to pitch a fit because Fortnite passed you overall. And that makes me less interested in ever picking it up, even on sale, to just play with the the people in our community who play it. Because I don't, I don't want to support babies. I got one of those of my own. <laughs> He throws enough fits. I don't need my hobby throwing fits, too. But, yeah. Uh, but the, the, but there's, there's the other thing that came out in this case is them talking about how uh, cosmetics affect the gameplay, <laughs> which was also yeah. interesting. And something that we uh, really have done before, but to hear a game developer talk about it. Yeah, in some games, cosmetics are just cosmetic. But in a game like this, the cosmetics matter because if you get something that matches the color of the terrain, it camouflages you better. And even if it's only a 1% advantage, that still will stack the odds slightly in your favor. Yeah, the statement from the lawsuit. uh, However, clothing does affect gameplay in terms of camouflage. Clothing can be used to assist the player to blend in with the environment, making the player... Less visibly detectable. In particular, Battlegrounds, or sorry, Battlegrounds, it's all caps, includes a ghillie suit, a full body suit covered with camouflaging material that typically used by snipers. The ghillie suit allows players to become nearly virtually invisible depending on the terrain. So, yeah. Then it starts to get into the whole pay to win aspect, doesn't it? Yeah. One of the things. That I've seen people say, like, if you want to win in PUBG, just hide in a bush. Yeah, but... Because even with graphics settings turned all the way down, people can't see you. Yeah, but if you have, uh, you know, a bright orange hat... uh, But it's just funny hearing them admit that. Especially since they're trying to go after 
helmet designs in the other games because they look like helmets. Yeah. Honestly, this entire thing, assuming that this isn't, yeah, yeah, this is legit because it still feels like some sort of weird joke, to be perfectly honest, even seeing the court documents and everything. Part of me wonders if this is just a lawyer that has way too much free time. But then remembering, you know, the absolute you know, shit fit they threw on Epic. Never mind the fact that they use the Epic engine. Uh, you know, it makes that possibility remote. I don't know. I mean, if I was a lawyer and they contacted me and they were like, hey, we want to take this lawsuit in. I'm pretty, I think if you're an ethical lawyer, you would say like, look, this seems like a real big long shot, real unlikely. And they're like, we don't care. We want to do it. We're going to give you all the money, all the money. I'd be like, all right, let's, let's just pull it, sign up, you know, in our contract that I cautioned you against this, you know, just protect yourself in case they decide to take it out on you when they lose. What you're saying? Yeah, I'd, hold, I'd uh, do it. A, uh, fit? No, I'm not saying that specifically, <laughs> but you know, I'd do it. Why not? It's a lot of money. It'd be, uh, seems like it'd be, well, I don't know. Cause it seems like it'd be an easy case because you're pretty much going to lose, you know, that going in, but maybe it's not easy. I don't know. Cause to do your due diligence on a case that you're going to lose, you'd be spending a lot of time throwing shit up and trying to come with. Well, look at look at it this and, way. They spent a lot of time on Reddit uh, getting frying pan memes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Because that's actually I love those. Frying that, that's pan actually memes. in the court uh, documents as well, uh, demonstrating how the frying pan is iconic of PUBG. So, uh, you know, no other game could ever have frying pans, and never had frying pans before PUBG. Right. Absolutely. It's never been a frying pan in a video game before for any reason. Not even cooking. Nope. Uh, cooking mama, yeah, she, she just slapped things directly on the stove. She never heard of a frying pan. <laughs> she uses a wok. Actually, cooking mommy might use a wok sometimes, but she also uses a frying pan. No, no, that's a lie. Uh, PUBG was the one that pioneered the frying pan. Right, they never existed in history before. All of the, the frying pans that you've ever seen in Fake your news. life before PUBG released. <laughs> <coughs> Excuse me. You okay? Yeah, they weren't they weren't frying pans. Yeah, I'm fine. Fake I just frying pan. Choked, choked a little. Oh. So, are we done with this absolute madness? Because I think so. I mean, we could deep dive into it, but it's all ridiculous and stupid. Uh, gaming lately has just gotten completely insane with the battle royales. Uh, a matter of fact, uh, now I'm blanking on the company, but Lawbreakers. Uh, uh, you know, Cliffy B released a battle royale today. Did yeah. he? Oh, I haven't seen that. I linked it to you. Radical you? Heights, the one that I said oh, that I looked like that. absolute dog shit. Did you send it to me on Steam? Because you sent me a few things before I saw my Steam chat. I'll just Google it. It's fine. I'll find it. Yeah, well, it was uh, uh, Balski Productions. Oh, wait, I typed in Radical Heights and it pulled me up to Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> I guess because it's a battle royale 
Epic Games has got that on lockdown on on the. Oh, uh, here you go. I gotta admit that the trailer just looks bad. It, it looks like oh, they that... sh- uh, shoved it out into early access, but way before it's ready. Based on that hurt, based dude. on the screenshots. The trailer, the the opening few seconds with the logo showing up, that hurts my eyes. That neon and all the flashing. Yeah, I know at least one critic that probably had a seizure seeing that. Free extreme early access battle royale shooter. Uh, why do they put it in all caps? Partake in high stakes gunplay as you loot for weapons, gadget cut. Co- Give the gadgets, cosmetics, and cash. Well, they already had to back off uh, the founder pack because it was blatant pay to win. Now, they have a thing where uh, you're able to put money into an overall uh, account and then withdraw it later. And the founder pack both had uh, starting money in it. And well, it still does uh, have a modifier on the amount of money that you put into the account. Which, you know, I, I don't want to touch that. I I love this recommended positive review. Blah, 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 blah. Right in the middle. The screen flashing green can be fixed by switching to windowed full screen windowed mode. If your game crashes on startup, turn to medium or low High settings can work, but only if you have 10 plus gigabytes of RAM available. Yeah, yeah, this game is, uh, like I said, dog shit. Look at the recommended specs for that. That, That's way high for what this game looks like. I I love a review that starts, First of all, people do not seem to understand that this is a mega early build of the game. Don't release your game that early if it's broken. I I can't hear you. Uh, Minimum uh, Chasing a saturated market. I mean, it's Cliffy B. Oh, minimum requirements. So a mid-range i5, 8 gigabytes of RAM, pretty standard. Uh, GTX 660, Radeon 7870. Look at recommended. Recommended specs for low... Oh, recommended. i5, 6600K, so the top-end i5... Or a Ryzen 5 1600, which is the mid-range or upper mid-range on the Ryzen... 16 gigabytes of RAM, Ooh, 1060, or the Radeon RX 580. Uh, so, recommended specs are, are uh, minimum are recommended specs for low quality setting in 1080p. Doesn't mention a frame rate. Uh, the recommended is 60 FPS and high quality. My PC is like right there on the edge. I've got the the RX 480, which is a little bit less powerful mm-hmm. than the 580, but fairly comparable. And then an i5 or 6600K. I've got the i7-4790K. So those are probably around the same horsepower level. But yeah, uh, everybody's chasing the, the Battle Royale uh, uh, carrot. And I do think that there's going to be a lot of games that just fall by the wayside because... Yeah, these games require a huge player base. Yeah. Unless um, you put bots in, but that kind of yeah, defeats the purpose. Yeah. Uh, and Or you just go smaller uh, Battle Royale, which then people complain because uh, true Battle Royale is 100 players only. Which I think is bullshit. Uh, I would say most genres usually have one big winner, two or three of you know, second tier, and then 
enough uh, players left over for a few more in the third tier, you know, playable, but not many people on them. Yeah, you know, I would say, you know, in the 1,000 uh, to 2,000 range. Battle Royale, just because of the player's uh, requirements, I would say that you're looking at maybe four really popular games, and that's it. Yeah, I was going to say three or four. And now, if there are some Battle Royale games that go for smaller sizes yeah. or some other sort of gimmick or something that we, like, can't think of or, you know, would be like, oh, hey, that makes sense. But, you know. Yeah, like, we're, we yeah, we're talking about the full 100-player uh, uh, Battle Royale experience. Yeah, there would be room for some more niche titles, just like there always mm-hmm. are in any genre. But, yeah, I think you're, like, big games. Uh, there's only going to be, like, three or four when this is all... Settled. Yeah, and I think that's why PUBG is trying to stomp out competition is that they are afraid that they're going to fall off, especially as uh, they're having to kind of lock down their big player base. That uh, you know, They're having to essentially region, region lock out China. And there has to be some sort of internal numbers that are making them really panic about that. Yeah. I mean, it, it makes no other sense otherwise. Uh, that they're so panicky about uh, locking down China. Yeah. So maybe that's why they're going after this. You know, uh, coming all the way back around to being back on topic is maybe that's why they're uh, going after Epic. They're going after the, you know these Chinese developers that honestly I never heard of uh, you know either of these uh, mobile uh, battle royale games. Granted, don't really follow battle royale or mobile games, but. Maybe that's why that you know there's something internally that they're seeing that they're seeing trouble on the horizon that we can't see outside yet. That or they're yeah. just fucking stupid. I had seen rules of survival before, just like on the popular or whatever when I've browsed the Play Store before. But it's like oh, battle royale on mobile. Nah, I'm good. But I'd never I'd never heard of Knives Out before this. But yeah cool so that was a thing i think i think allegedly they're just whiny babies allegedly (laughs) (laughs) oh all right uh moving on to our next topic of the week gta 5 is the most profitable entertainment product of all time maybe so I saw this article, or I saw something about this on Reddit, and I was like, oh, that's neat. This will be a nice, like, five-minute time filler or maybe something that could go to Franken-content type of thing. Like, oh, GTA Five is the most profitable entertainment thing, beating out movies and books and right. stuff and other video games. Like, that's kind of neat, but at the same time, why did it have to be GTA Five? Why couldn't it have been a good game? Well, I really think GTA and then, Five has kind of jumped the shark card. Ha <laughs> And then you posted a, like something where well, like a snarky response yeah, where someone had said, uh no it's not. Think about World of Warcraft. Yeah, I saw that earlier after you know seeing the GTA thing yesterday, I believe. And I thought, you know, I I'll leave this for uh, you because uh, that that's uh, snarky enough and I, I knew you wouldn't be too happy about GTA five because uh, You've seen really put off, especially by the multiplayer. Yeah. But so after that, I was like, 
I wonder how many copies World of Warcraft has actually sold, because they've touted in the last few years, like, we have over 100 million accounts, but accounts don't transition to sold copies of the game, because if you have ever tried it, you have to create an account, and then even if you decide to continue playing and convert to a, a paying subscriber... You don't have to buy the base game. You just pay for the subscription and then you keep playing with the base game. Obviously, if you want the expansion content, you have to buy those. But I think the base game goes all the way up to Mists of Pandaria now. Like, that's what's included with the base, I think. it's It's been a while, so I might have that one wrong. But it's got the first, at least, Burning Crusade and Wrath of the Lich King the good content. Are, are included with the base now. Um, and maybe Cataclysm too. Actually, Cataclysm is because it changed a bunch of the stuff in the world. So all the way up through Cataclysm is definitely included. And I think Mist of Pandaria just got rolled into it. But anyways, I'm getting off track. So you know, their their accounts doesn't necessarily transition or translate to games sold. So then I got to digging around, and the only thing that I was able to find on this 30 minute rabbit trail is a site called Statistics Brain, um, where that they have got something posted from like late 2017 that breaks down all of the Blizzard games and how many owners that they have. And World of Warcraft, including all of the expansions, is 56 million units sold. So then I was like, well, if they're only counting units sold and not revenue, GTA 5 has sold 90 million units. But then if you just go by units sold, like there's Tetris and Wii Sports and other games that have yeah, sold more. Yeah, but Wii more. Sports also was a pack-in title. Yeah. But then they mentioned revenue in one of the articles. There's several I've looked at. And World of Warcraft has more revenue, but then another article mentions just gross profit which blizzard has a higher development cost because they're an mmo so they have a lot more resources that they have to put into just keeping the game going yeah, and gta online is just essentially matchmaking and everything's hosted uh between uh players isn't it yeah yeah there's they don't have servers they it just does um which you know is in no way made a hacking mess as far as I know, there's no servers. There might be, like, something on the console side, but I'm 99% sure the PC I love, version I, is I, just peer-to-peer. I went to just look at the expansion list because I wanted to make sure, you know, they, they're coming up with their seventh expansion this year. But there's this long uh, speculation on how long till the next expansion before, you know, the uh, actual release date was announced. And there, there's this long uh, thing of how long it was between the last uh, raid content and the new, in the next expansion and how uh, long the interval in between expansions, which is right at the two year mark. So, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, uh, granted, I quit after the third expansion. Boy, it's been that long. But I mean, it, this was just a weird rabbit trail that I went down because you posted like a snarky response well, article. Can you blame me? For me to find. No, no, it's fine. Just I'm like, huh, this is kind of a convoluted mess. 
But that's really just how the gaming industry is because there's a lot of secrets, particularly around player accounts and around revenue. But, you know, of course, uh, games are way too expensive to make, so, you know, they wouldn't uh, announce, you know, how many units they've sold. Yeah. But there wasn't really a super big point to that, just like, well, this was interesting. Hopefully. I thought it was interesting. Uh, do you have anything you want to add? Or uh, not really. It, it is on? kind of uh, odd just how secretive the gaming industry is with uh, a lot of their sales figures. Yeah. The fact that the only way we really find anything out on PC numbers is just Steam Spy. And that's a margin yeah. of error. But usually a better margin of error than you know just the round numbers that uh, developers will uh, announce or publishers will announce. Yeah. All right. Well, moving on to our next one. And this is a sort of small general yeah, topic. general topic. Uh, spawned from the last Inquisition, where he declared the, loot of the year of the loot box dead, essentially. With the pulling Indeed. of uh, loot boxes from Shadow of War and the uh, reversal of uh, 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 Battlefront 2 to a more traditional progression style and getting away from the pay to win uh, loot box system and, right and going back to dlc and microtransactions yeah and like cosmetic dlc and microtransactions yeah but you know that that, Sorry, that completely my... breaks canon how, how how dare they uh, do that how dare they what i'm just waiting for the pink darth, darth vader uh I, no they're going to license hello kitty darth vader that would be amazing I might buy Battlefront 2 for Hello Kitty Hello, Darth Vader. Uh, Kid- it would be really tempting. Hello Kitty Darth Vader with a pink lightsaber. I would need some moral support to get through that crisis. Uh, well, to, but to, uh, to save you from Katie whenever she finds out that you bought a, a game because of Hello Kitty Darth Vader? No, I don't care about that. Just to keep me from going against my... My... Uh, my moral code. Cause in I other words, really you like... need uh, me to go there with a newspaper and say, no. Yes. No. So, uh, getting back onto our little general topic, uh, it, it seemed uh, like a good time to really sit down and talk about just the state of the industry with loot boxes. I mean, we've focused on loot boxes before, but not really where they are in the industry, more focused on a particular game or a particular topic. And I really think it's a little too early to claim you're the loot box dead. It, it, yeah, it really depends so on the, the autumn releases. Because right now, the big AAA releases are essentially in their final stages. And if there's still loot boxes in there, it may be too late to really uh, redo the progression systems. So I think it's a little premature to claim the year of the loot box dead over some major victories, mind you, but early victories. Yeah. I don't think that it's time to call it yet. I agree with you. We have to wait until particularly the fall and Christmas releases uh, where most of your big AAA titles cluster together still. To see what happens. I mean, the two big... And also see what... Oh, sorry. Uh, the, two, the big two uh, loot box titles that we're celebrating, yo, they released, what, within a month of each other? Uh, two months? Yeah. 
uh let's see shadow of war was i think september like end of september first of october i believe uh and battlefront 2 was uh october november something like that like right before christmas but you know then there's also uh, need for speed which was quietly redone which honestly i completely forgot because you know that's kind of a minor thing in the grand scheme of things it's need for speed was a more low-key game i mean it's still a major title but not a lot of focus on it i think where uh the victory would be if we get like a total victory over loot boxes would be in the sports games where it's kind of quietly been rampant for a while just because of a natural divide between the sports game enthusiast and the general gaming population yeah which there was some uh you know discontent over wait they're upset about th- 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 this is shit yeah there's been some pushback on it from the general gaming population who plays games like fifa or sports games but nowhere near the amount of backlash that happened with battlefront 2 and shadow of, of war and i need for speed to some extent need for but speed. that was more just yeah I, I would love to see their uh, sales on need for speed i never really saw them uh talk about their sales overall granted i never really dove into that and just because, honestly, some of the trailer stuff for Need for Speed kind of turned me off where it was uh, Fast and the Furious over everything else, and I never really cared for those movies. I liked those movies, but because they're dumb and fun. But Yeah, but considering the, uh, the gameplay that they showed, it kept interrupting the game for uh, cutscenes constantly. Yeah. And that's what they wanted to um, show? The cutscenes, yeah, because the rest of the game is garbage. No, no, it's a, uh, it's uh, a, a uh, slot machine. Even though EA in no way intended to build a slot machine. There you go, sliding that <laughs> one in there too. Um, yeah, I don't. There, there's some big titles that we'll we'll see what they do, and if they don't have loot boxes at all, if they take the games back and redesign them and pull loot boxes out. I'll declare that we've won the battle, but not the but war. But there's still, but not the war, because as Jim Sterling pointed out and has pointed out a number of times in other videos discussing this, they'll do this. They'll push the envelope too far, and then they'll they'll reel it back and say, "Oh, see, DLC, microtransactions, and uh, season passes, not so bad now, right?" But it just the, makes the backlash wonder, for this has it been just makes me wonder much what larger. They have to do in order to make loot boxes seem acceptable. I don't know. Actual literal put put the actual game in loot boxes. Oh, but that would be loot boxes though. That would just make loot boxes worse. But that would make old loot boxes seem fine. It's like if you buy loot boxes to try and get parts of a game. Ah, oh, crap! I got level three again. That would make old loot boxes seem better by comparison. But, uh... I mean, you can't yeah. even say you put weapons in them because, yeah, Battlefront essentially did that with their abilities. Yeah. I, uh... I, I just wonder I if we're going to see some uh, major titles get delayed because they had loot boxes in them. Yeah, but I would say we will. 
Because this loot box thing has drug out a lot longer than previous outcries against microtransactions and DLCs and, got and season a lot passes. Bigger with and... The, the government getting in. Yeah. Yeah, this might be the yeah, one. This, this the I don't one know. That, uh, may have uh, woken the sleeping giant. It's like regulation. This may at least like be the line in the sand. I, you know, I'd love to get rid of a lot of the other bullshit mechanics, but if this is the line in the sand that everyone draws and says, "Nope, we're not having this far, any no far shit," <laughs> yeah, oh. what? Good old Star Trek. <laughs> Um, but yeah, if, if that's the line in the sand, I think I could live with that. I think. Cause then at least it really depends on how far we back away. from. I don't it. know. Yeah, it really depends. I would be open. See, I'm open to buying games that have microtransactions in them way after the fact when they're super cheap. Um, but on, on no term, no, you know, on no uncertain terms, will I buy a game brand new that has them? But I won't buy a game that has loot boxes in it at all. Period. Yeah, well, the problem is that uh, games are putting in loot boxes after the fact. I mean, look at Rocket League. That's true. I mean, there's nothing I can do about that. If they do it after the fact, then that sucks, and I'll be pissed off about it, but there's not much I can do. Because, I mean, I I could try as hard as I wanted to to refund. Like, oh, you put microtransactions in, but with current laws and everything... I really don't have anything that I can do, at least in the States. I don't know. You might be able to do something about that if you lived in Europe, for example, but not here. I'd be fucked. Well, you're saying the United States has poor uh, customer protection? Yes, that's literally exactly what I'm saying. No, allegedly. Come at me. Fight me, United States government. Can't hear you. Firing, uh, Firing the head of the FBI. Firing missiles from drones into Syria. Yeah, let's attack North Korea. It's a terrible thing to joke about, but mark my words, it's going to happen. To try and deflect from all of the crazy political stuff. It's going to fucking happen. Well, he's been wanting to start a war, uh, you know, ever since he got into office. And, you know, he's just moving the troops around, uh, you know, seeing how it feels. Just like when he got in that big rig. <laughs> and the fire truck. Oh, but anyways, let's not head down that rabbit yeah, let's hole. Let's talk about a game that uh, feels like it's from about t- uh, 10 or 15 years ago. Indeed. Uh, Marvel's new Spider-Man game will let you unlock pre-order suits in-game. And some other things from previous headlines. It's not going to have microtransactions. Uh, what was the other it's thing? It's going to have a uh, traditional DLC model, isn't it? It's going to have expansions. Yeah, I, I believe that that's it. And they specifically said no loot, no loot boxes. Now, granted, game companies have lied about yeah, that true. before, particularly Ubisoft with Watch Dogs. Um, what? Ubisoft lied? And, and PUBG lied about loot boxes. They said they weren't going to have them, and then they put them in. No, 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 they lied about not having loot boxes during early access. Oh, okay. See, uh, th- see they, they were scummy them. bastards, but they are a particular type of scummy bastard. Allegedly. But. Yeah, if if they stay true to their word on all of these things, we're going to get a real game. A real game based on Spider-Man. 
And I've heard that the web-swinging mechanics, which is everyone's favorite thing to talk about from, from the Spider-Man, uh, Spider-Man, for this game are really good, potentially on par with Spider-Man 2, which was what everyone says was well, the best. Well, you should say uh, console Spider-Man 2, because Spider-Man on PC, uh, Spider-Man 2, was shit. But it was nowhere near the same game. It was completely different. So, okay. But, I mean, I don't... I have to admit that really uh, one thing I saw about this game and made me kind of wish I had a PlayStation to play it. Uh, did you see the video of the fast travel? No. Okay. Uh, he swings in, goes into the subway, and then it has a cutscene while it's doing the loading in the next area because it's stream loading everything. Of him sitting on the subway, poking around on his phone. In the Spider-Man suit. <laughs> That's very uh, old uh, new uh, Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would say it, uh, it's like the uh, uh, well, uh, the second, uh, was it the second or the first? Uh, I think it was the second. Uh, the Tony McGuire or to- oh, sorry, Toby McGuire uh, Spider-Mans, where he's in the ele- elevator, completely playing off that he's in an elevator, talking about yeah, you know, rides up in the crotch a little, but it's all right. Yeah, that idea of playing on the phone is directly from Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, I don't think he's riding on a train while he's playing on his phone, but he's like hanging upside down and doing Spider-Man stuff while he's playing on his phone. So I I would assume that that's pulled pretty much wholesale. Yeah, I do from, need to see Spider-Man from the movie. Homecoming. It's really good. It's a really good uh, high school, like teenage high school. Yeah, but it's not the origin story. Is comedy. It? No, it's not the origin story. Thankfully. How many times do we need to retell Spider-Man's origin? I don't... I haven't seen Homecoming since it was in theaters. I need to watch it again because Infinity War comes out in two weeks also. Um, But I don't think that they mentioned Uncle Ben at all. I think they just take it as everyone understands what Spider-Man's origin story is. (laughs) He might, at one point, like be like he misses him and aunt may's like i know we we both we all miss him but it's okay and like, now i'm just kind of hand wave now that. i'm going back to weird al's ode to a superhero <laughs> uh, uh talking about the uh uncle ben line and you'll hear it again and again and again <laughs> it's uh, a parody of piano man i've never heard that before i should listen to oh that. it's very good yeah, Spider-Man and Batman and Superman, like, everyone knows their origin story, but yet we've seen, particularly Batman, his origin story, like, a million times. Grand, sometimes it makes sense to retell it if they're changing up the world enough. You know, the Nolan uh, Batmans, I could understand doing the origin story again. Because it makes sense uh, to have that background with uh, the characters. But then you don't, you know, you don't need it for some others. It's, uh, the, I think some superheroes are in the public consciousness enough that you don't need to tell their origins. Yeah. Fun fact. Uncle Ben is the only comic book character in history, at least at time of recording, that has never been revived or resurrected or anything. While the origin story has been retold and he pops up in the origin story... He always 
dies and has never came back after that. And he's literally the only character in Marvel and DC Comics that that's ever happened to. I'm not sure if everyone it, else uh, has, sucks or doesn't has come back to suck life. to be Uncle Ben. I remember the yeah, uh, Spider-Man uh, animated series in the 90s. They actually go to an alternate dimension uh, where he uh, uh, lived. So, uh, depending on if that's considered canon or not. But uh, it, it was uh, uh, essentially a alternate Spider-Man that, if memory serves correctly, he bonded with the Carnage symbiote and went slightly insane and wanted to destroy all reality because, you know, it was a Saturday. And uh, in uh, that reality, he didn't really have uh, Uncle Ben to kind of ground him. Uh, so uh, he, he still lost Uncle Ben, but I don't think he was as close. Or, you know, or, you know just the insanity from the symbiote. Because Carnage was the less stable of the uh, of the two major symbiotes. Granted, you know, low bar. But they actually had to go to another reality where Uncle Ben wasn't killed. And bring him in <laughs> to try to... Talk them down. Yeah, I don't know how canon the cartoons and stuff are. Although ca- comic book canon is weird, and it gets like reset and retconned all the damn time. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like a drinking bird hitting uh, F5. So, yeah, com- comic, yep, there's your yeah, little fun fact. are just really tough to follow if you're not following them already. Yeah. I mean, the... Uh, the total universe reset on DC a while back was probably the best time to get in. But, you know, it's been several years now. <coughs> and it's already yeah, Marvel Comics... Yeah, in general, Marvel, Marvel Comics are a lot easier to get into than DC Comics from a canonicity standpoint. Because Marvel Comics use, like... It's built into the world that they have this sort of sliding time scale. So it's like whenever something is mentioned, instead of having to be like... Oh my God! When or where did this happen? It's basically just like ah, oh, it was it was a few years ago that it happened, which sometimes that can be weird, but it does make it easier to jump in because you don't have to be like, okay, in 1968, an issue, whatever, there was this thing that happened, and then it worked out this way going forward. Everyone just sort of hand waves like, oh, it it happened a few years ago. Yeah, for don't worry for about a it. A while I tried to keep up with one of the Batman uh, DCs, uh, uh, DC lines. Uh, but they started referencing other uh, comics, uh, and I'm talking runs of you know twenty some comics. It's like yeah, fuck it. Marvel in the last couple of years too has gotten into this thing where they do basically an eight comic series that is not necessarily a one off. Like it connects to the overall story that they do for like their big event comics. But you can just pick any series and start from the beginning, and you've got eight issues. And that's it. Like, everything you need to know is contained within those eight issues. And then if you know other stuff, like, you can see Easter eggs Ooh. and stuff like that. Uh, some late-breaking but... news. Okay. Uh, so, so let's... Anything else you want to talk about Spider-Man? No, I'm done. I was talking about Marvel Comics. Okay, well, this just broke two hours ago, and I missed it. Uh, Well, did you see about Valve changing the privacy settings? No. Okay, Valve has uh, essentially added additional privacy settings to uh, Steam profiles. I'll have to go dig that up. Uh, Steam Spy is stating that they'll no longer be able to operate because of it. Which, considering we just was talking about 
uh, you know, Steam Spot being one of the few ways of getting PC numbers. Uh, here, I'll drop it in the show notes, the, uh, uh, the profile changes. Uh, there's a good place, I think. Yeah. So, there you go. Uh, I'll uh, read the... Uh, well, uh, the Steam Spot uh, spa is just a tweet. Uh, Valve just made a change to their privacy settings, making games owned by Steam users hidden by default. Steam Spot relied on this information to be visible by default and won't be able to operate anymore. And then they link to the Steam blog, which uh, says, Today's update expands your pro- uh, profile privacy settings, giving you more control over privacy of your account. With more detailed uh, descriptions on what a profile information is included in each category, you'll be able to manage how you are viewed by your friends or the wider Steam community. You can uh, select. You can now select to view your profile's game details, which includes a list of games you purchased or wishlist, along with achievements and playtime. This setting also controls whether you're seen as in-game and the title of your game that you are playing. Additionally, regarding which settings you choose on your profile details, you can now have the option to keep your total gameplay private. You no longer need to nervously laugh it off as a bug when your friends notice that you have 4,000 hours played on Ricochet. (laughs) Looking ahead a little, we also are working on a new invisible mode in addition to the already existing online, away, and offline uh, presence options. If you choose uh, to set yourself invisible, you'll appear as offline, but you'll still be able to view your friends list, send and receive messages, and so on. Sometimes uh, you're feeling social, sometimes you're not. This setting uh, should help Steam users be social on their own terms. We hope that this feature uh, will be ready for beta release soon. Trademark. Okay, no trademark, but editor trialing a little. Like many features, these privacy options have come uh, directly from the f- uh, user feedback. It would uh, We would like you to join in this conversation. As always, we uh, welcome you to visit Steam Discussions and add your feedback. So this explains why Steam Charts has not been showing some info lately as well. But yeah, that's some late-breaking shit. I don't... I'm not sure how I feel about this, uh, especially losing Steam Spy over it. Losing Steam Spy sucks, and that's probably what's make got me going. I don't know if this is a good thing mm-hmm. or not. In general, I would say people having more control over their yeah, es- their profile, uh, especially hiding some shameful things. Granted, you don't know much about that. I mean, I don't hide anything shameful because I don't have any shame. I mean, everything in my profile was set to public. Anyways, I don't have any personally identifying information on here. And otherwise, I don't give a shit if people see what games I've played and how long I've played them. The invisible mode sounds kind of neat. I I mean, occasionally when I'm feeling... Turtleish. Hermity. Turtleish. I'll go to, go to offline mode. And that's fine. But occasionally, I might be in offline mode and not want lots of people to talk to me. But I might want to poke you and say oh something. And then I'd have to go online. Or you just text me. So that's yeah, that's nice. But you know, for you, I have your phone number and Twitter and everything, so I could just text you. But you know, I think that's a nifty feature. I like that. But otherwise, yeah, I. According to this, no uh, it's spy. 
uh, more because of the default settings because it looks like the default is setting it to private mode let me go check my steam profile uh oh yeah okay so it shows my uh, i haven't touched these settings at all my profile is set to public game details is set to friends only though yeah my game details were set to friends only as well when i i I changed it to public but they were set to friends only that is uh the bugbear for steam spot right there so it's not the settings in general it's the default settings so maybe this could be fixed uh, in the future, but right now Steam Spot is in some severe trouble. And this is kind of uh, Valve's uh, ha- uh, hands-off modular uh, development kind of biting them in the ass again. Because this is something that most c- companies would have this be public as default and have it an opt-in system, not an opt-out system. Yeah. This is probably... Partially in response to Facebook, all this oh, yeah, stuff going on with that. Facebook and data collection. This is probably a response to that. Maybe they've been working on some of this stuff in the background. Especially that but invisible this sudden, mode. But like this sudden, I mean, this feels very knee-jerk, like out of nowhere. Oh, by the way, we changed the privacy settings and we set some of your stuff to private by default. Bye. <laughs> like that's how this, that's how this feels. And again, in general... I think it's good for people to have more options to control what information is publicly available online, but the way this is implemented is going to cripple, if not completely wipe out Steam Spy, which is an incredibly useful tool, which helps us track, at least in some manner, some stuff yeah. that's going on in game game sales. Yeah, and uh, I've been seeing issues with uh, Steam charts as well, so this may hit the games that aren't in the top 100 as well. Because I was wondering, you know, just what the player count was on uh, uh, Radical Heights. But because I, I don't think it's in the top 100, so uh, there's nothing on Steam charts. Yeah. <clears throat> so well, so a good change uh, implemented poorly. I think that's fair to say. Yep. Like right now, in order to get in the top 100 to show on the, uh, you know, the top games by current player count, which they may need to expand the top 100, you have to have 2,003 players. And actually, Radical Heights is on here at 6,500. That's what I was wanting to check because I just wanted to see the player counts. But let's put it this way. Um, Realm Grinder, Space Engineers, The Sims 3, Counter-Strike Source, Warface, and Company of Heroes 2 are the ones on the bubble uh, at the low end of it. In that order, by the way, from uh, 100 up. So, yeah. That's something I didn't even consider. I saw the news about the privacy thing, but didn't really consider, you know... uh, a newsworthy, newsworthy topic, just because well, they added some options. Okay, we have it. We've talked about Steam adding stuff before, but not, yeah, not always. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. According to this, uh, well, I'm on the uh, Steam subreddit looking at uh, the comments. 
uh, other websites that will not be able to operate or will uh, have drastically reduced uh, feature set because of this change. All stats, Steam gifts, completionist.me, true Steam achievements. This is just according to this one random guy, of course. Meta game score, Steam hunters, exophase, Lorenzo uh, Tanso filters, whatever that is. The Steam DB, Steam Trades, ArcStats, Steam Bot, Steam Tom, Steam Tools, Steam Left, Steam Ladder, and probably a hundred more that they're not aware of. So yeah, uh, it's just that default setting. That's what's getting them. That's something that could easily be changed, but I imagine there would be a backlash changing the default setting now. Unless they yeah. have some sort of pop-up, because Steam does have the ability to do a pop-up properly. I'm just still going through the comments. Yeah, it's just such a... It's something I don't think they would uh, thought of that was a major thing. They thought they were doing by your favor. Well, they and, didn't. Uh, there's people saying, good, I never gave Steam Spot permission to scrape my account anyway. Go fuck off, essentially. For lack of a better term. Yeah, I'd I'd prefer an an opt in system. Yeah, as opposed to opt uh, especially out, especially with you know hitting this hard. Yeah. Well, shit. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, you know they could work with Steam because Steam Spot is a very important tool. Yes, indeed. We'll see how this plays out. I guess this week, and probably talk about it again next Maybe. week, unless nothing happens. Yeah, then we'll go. Oh, Steam Spot again? <laughs> right. Well, that brings us to the end of the news segment yeah, of the show. Yeah, slightly longer take... than what we expected, but you know, that was an important news topic. Yep. I need to take a quick break, and then we'll move on to Community Corner. We have made some adjustments to the show, which, given how I do the intro and the show notes, hopefully I can get that cut out and it doesn't sound weird. I may do a a quick little primer for this episode, but we'll figure that out when we oh, get there. Oh, come on, we never sound uh, weird. Do we have anything for Community Corner other than what we were going to do, but then we cut for time uh, reasons? We have the crickets. Sweet. We also have uh, you know, me saying, well, if you wish to actually have content in the Community Corner, you can email us at podcast at gmail.com or tweet us podcast at the Twitters. I will say that Kyle contacted me about doing something. Although it would be more like its own segment as opposed to Community Corner, I think. We haven't had a chance to sit down and really talk about it, but it's a good idea. It's it's actually a genuinely good idea, not like some silly, stupid thing. Genuinely a good idea or Kyle good idea? No, genuinely a good idea. I I really liked the idea. We're going to talk in the next couple of days more thoroughly about it. I don't know if he wants to keep what it is a surprise or what. Well, I don't know what it is. Yeah. So I'll, we'll, I'll find out. You may find out too. But anyways, two rhymes with do. Doobly do. And doobly do starts the discovery queue. So let's head that and, and way. And I have something interesting immediately. You always do. Well, I have a wish list the entirety of Steam, so it's more uh, focused on me. 
I guess. So I have sure. Farm Manager 2018. Essentially a pseudo uh, sim farm. There are some people complaining about the AI not being great in this game, but this is a management uh, game for a farm, not setting actually farming. Which is interesting because usually these farming games are you doing the farming, not managing the farm yourself. So, uh, yo, that's a interesting twist on things, going back to the old sim farm style of things. Uh, it's kind of surprising that we haven't seen uh, something like Sim Farm uh, in quite a while. Now that I really think about it, usually things yeah. fall more on the Harvest Moon side of things. But graphically, it doesn't look bad. I mean, it's not amazing, but it's also a management game. But yeah, you know, be able to hire farmhands, have them uh, work the fields, uh, uh, hire the illegal immigrants to cut down costs. <laughs> also, oh. <laughs> yeah, it looks interesting. It's definitely on the wish list now. Indeed, I have one. Crusaders of Light. This is a free-to-play MMO, but its thing is that it's cross-play, cross-platform between your PC and your mobile device. Which sounds pretty yeah. interesting to me, because I've tried well, to find that, a few MMOs. There's no way that's uh, not World of Warcraft. That, 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 <laughs> that, that second screenshot, that looks like pulling into Dalaran. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It does. I, I mean, granted, um, the art style it, you know, is very reminiscent of WoW, but damn. I, I had flashbacks on uh, you know, uh, that second screenshot. It's like uh, pulling into Dalaran. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I've tried to find several decent MMOs to play on my phone, um, and so I'll think I'll be checking this one out, because if it's the mobile version of it is at least enough for that I can, you know, manage character stuff and do maybe like simple dailies or something like that, being able to do the more complicated stuff on PC is very appealing to me, so I think I'll be checking that out this week. Hmm, I got... An interesting one. This released last week. Will to live online. This is, from the reviews of it, a MMO stalker game. Okay. I piqued your interest, haven't I? Uh, yes, but just like what? Uh, stalker, as in the old sandbox shooter. Okay. Yo, S, uh, you know, uh, okay. uh, but yeah, th this looks interesting. It doesn't look bad graphically. I mean, it's not amazing. There's some definitely low fidelity uh, textures, but yo, it's an MMO, and MMO shooters—they've not really done all that well. There, a lot of people talk about it being a janky Russian MMO with uh, AI not being spectacular, but and some translation problems, but it's worth a potential look. It's not that expensive, but I would love to know some player numbers for this before you know, really uh, wanting to look more into it. Yeah. So, calling back to something earlier in the show, Crusaders of Light? 
published by NetEase. Oh boy. So, uh, does that make you want to play it more? Or less? <laughs> uh, yes. And? I was, uh, I was looking it up to make sure it was on the Play Store and not just an iOS-only <laughs> game. A Sudoku game? Really? <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, we'll go with this. Uh, especially since my game I played earlier... Sid Meier's Railroads. <laughs> As in the yes, older, it, it, the one that was like, what, 2011? Yeah, this is like in that? 4x3 resolution, and it has mixed reviews, I imagine, because of compatibility problems. But the fact that it's been on the Discovery queue. Nice. Uh, it abused me. Alright, so here's one for me. Like first, Robothorium. A uh, I believe there's an ointment for that. RPG. <laughs> I saw this on Keymailo the other night when I was uh, doing a massive apply for. And it looks like a, a JRPG where they you put together a squad of, of robots to lead the robot revolution. Whatever that means. But it just it looks kind of cute. But at the same time, like really simple and... I don't know, I just liked it. I liked everything about it. It releases, like, next month. So, hopefully it's not too expensive. This looks like a good 5 to $10 game based on the looks. Maybe 15 if it's a really lengthy RPG and doesn't really focus on the roguelike bit, having to restart repeatedly. Huh. I have, once again, something very interesting. Masters of Amnia. This is a take on the Pikmin from the looks of it. Ooh, I like Pikmin. I mean, just take a look at the trailer. That that looks so Pikmin-ish uh, on a fantasy setting. Uh, Pikmin in a, like an ARPG, uh, maybe dungeon crawler? looks like it does have a online connection for activation but that's it so that is really interesting looking it's has no reviews whatsoever which is a little troublesome but it came out well technically now yesterday well that's probably why there's no reviews but does it look bad masters of anima no that looks pretty decent and this is why we had the discovery queue to find random shit. But yeah. I never really got to play Pikmin. I tried Overlord, but it uh which is sorta of Pikmin-ish, but it just triggered motion sickness for me. Yeah, Pikmin that mechanic is better in Pikmin than it is in Overlord. But it's the same basic idea. Um, it's the same basic idea. But it's handled better in, in Pikmin, I think. Because they use it for a lot more puzzle solving as opposed to just straight up combat stuff. I know that you can you do it for some, some puzzle solving in Overlord. Okay. The Discovery you just gave me Big Pharma. <laughs> I've refunded Big Pharma because I didn't like it. Nice. I didn't have a... My big problem with Big Pharma, if you pardon the turn of phrase, was that it felt like you were doing the same thing over and over again. 
I was I was expecting some sort of like combination between things, but the gameplay of Big Pharma, you were constantly increasing or increasing the potency of various chemicals, and that was pretty much it. And it disappointed me. It disappointed me so much that it put me back on it on the uh, discovery queue. I'm not going to put it on my list, but I found it amusing. Enough to get a sensible chuckle. Or a sensible cackle. That was definitely more than a chuckle. Oh. Alright, so I'm done with my cue. One more. That's, yeah, me all over it. Ultimate Fishing Simulator. Doesn't look bad graphically, does it? No, I mean, it, I mean, it's a. I think I had this I mean, one a, before, and I mentioned I mean, it to you. I mean, it's a fishing game, so there's not a lot to talk about on it. It, it all comes down to the gameplay. But it looks like you have, you know, your wall of fish. Not sure about it being fifteen bucks, especially when you have Fishing Planet out there, which is actually a pretty good fishing game for free. It really depends on how they handle this and how far they are through early access, but. If you like your fishing games, is this multiplayer? I don't see multiplayer on this. Uh, no, it does show online multiplayer. I mean, that's the big draw of uh, these fishing games is, you know, hanging around with friends, uh, catching virtual fish and drinking virtual beer, right? Speak for yourself on the virtual beer part. Actually, I don't, I'm not a big fan of beer. All right, so virtual root beer. I'll drink wine. Or margaritas. Take a train down to Margaritaville. Why, if do you, fishing planets a free to play fishing MMO? Mm -hmm. Have you ever played Fishing Planet? Yeah. Okay, that's why I mentioned it. Maybe I should install Fishing Planet. And we can go fishing Planet, together. Uh, whenever uh, I played it last, uh, the multiplayer element was essentially a chat room. But supposedly they've added more to it since then. The annoying thing about Fishing Planet is that you rent everything. Or, or, or I can't remember. No, 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 no. It wasn't rentals. Uh, you bought tickets to unlock uh, various areas that you had a limited time in. Uh, but if you do did well on them, you would get enough to easily make back uh, your money and then some. Uh, but the uh, but the uh -huh. uh, first few areas were either very cheap or free. And there's also a lot of DLC for Fishing Planet. I mean, it's not a bad game. It's more on the realistic side of things, though. Or, you know, realistic enough. So, you know, you don't just cast down, uh, reel back in and wait for the RNG to, uh, you know, say, Oh, you got a fish! You actually have to uh, work the lure. You have to work the shaft, Jared. I'm good at that. So yeah, that's my discovery queue done. And once again, I get a Sweet. bunch more games than you. Yeah, I got got two. Yeah, and even ignoring you, know, me just putting Sid Meier's Railroads on it just because of you know, the game I played this week. I got some actually good ones. Yeah, Sid Meier's Railroads is good if you don't have a a Windows 10 PC. If you have a Windows 10 PC, good luck getting it working but it still plays fine on windows 7 machines and windows 8 machines but it's a fun game 
even though it's more than 10 years old now. 12 years old. But, anyways, now with that out of the way, move on to the portion of the podcast where I go first. And once again, because I had my in-laws here, I didn't get shit done this weekend. At least related to my YouTube channel. Uh, Aside from Divinity, which will release on Wednesday and Saturday, and those are scheduled already. I didn't forget this time. So I, I just I, I thought it was cool. funny because I, I I was a little concerned that I screwed up. It's like no. wait, it was me. It was you. When it comes to scheduling, it's usually me. But anyways, aside from those two things and the podcast, there I don't have anything planned for this week. So, hooray! But if you want to find what I do have already, you can do so by searching for Gaming Psychologist on the YouTubes. If you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see me tweet about all kinds of things, this week, uh, apparently, I attracted the favor of the uh, trans community on Twitter, so that was pretty cool. My, uh, I can't imagine being, like, a celebrity or an internet famous person, because I'm up to, like, a thousand notifications, That's and you just my notification screen is a mess. It's just a mess. So... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll enjoy my 15 minutes of fame, I guess. Um, but yeah, at JMA4707 on Twitter. And I have a Twitch channel where I stream things and I post and we're things. we're on there right now. Using, using their um, premiere system over at twitch.tv slash jarthur4707. You never know what I'm going to be running. You can have over my channel at pretty much any time. And there's a chance there'll be some content playing over there. I also rehost several members of our community, and one of our pseudo partners uh, left Stick Down, which is the site that I used to write reviews for. Still good friends with those guys over there. Yeah, I may have to bunk them in the head with a frying pan, or sorry, an iconic frying pan. <laughs> yeah, eventually we might do, uh, I don't know, a crossover thing of some kind, but they operate during the day, and we 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 are the night time, so that makes it difficult um and then if you want to be my friend on steam you can do so by sending a friend request to jarthur4707 i accept all friends on steam uh because i expect them to be the lovely people from our lovely podcast and everyone who's ever sent me a friend request from the podcast has indeed been lovely and all of my profile information is set to public so you can find me easily oh wow but if you wish to let them know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from, the passphrase for this week is mistaken identity. Mistaken nice. identity. For both of us and PUBG. <laughs> what about you, buddy? What have you got uh, going well, on? Short of the Sunday sampler, things are still uh, doing fairly well. Uh, Steam World Dig 2 is, well... Digging down, uh, digging deep, getting completely lost, uh, and hitting some new themes uh, on the world, which you know has made things uh, very interesting. Uh, a little bit more platformy, but overall not bad so far. But we'll have to see how things go. I'm going to be doing another recording session of that probably tomorrow night. But yeah, I've been enjoying uh, Steam World Dig 2. And, well, that's why I record it. And also why I have way, 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 way too many episodes of Rim World. <laughs> the other wallop 
uh, well, let's put it this way. Weird shit goes down in that game. <laughs> Such as giraffes beating the ever-living hell out of this uh, mechanical death machine. Essentially this giant tank. It triggered a psychic wave that drove a manhunter. And they, whenever somebody goes manhunter, it goes after the nearest thing uh, that it's aggro to. And that just happened to be the tank that triggered the psychic wave to begin with. So about ha- about yeah, a little under half a dozen giraffes just ran up and beat the shit out of two just giant mechanoids. <laughs> oh, I love RimWorld. RimWorld is Dwarf Fortress Light. Half the calories, but still all the flavor. <laughs> and Divinity is still ongoing. We're going to have to sit down and do some major recording on that, either this week or next, though. Agreed? Agreed. But yeah, that's still uh, ongoing as well. You know, our complete and utter nonsense and getting completely lost and me figuring out something because I accidentally saw a hint <laughs> in the upcoming episodes. But, you know, that's pretty much how things go for Divinity. That's mostly due to us what, uh, playing it two hours once a week, maybe. So we forget things very easily. Maybe we should. Maybe Indeed we should have took do. notes. Mm, nah. nah, that would have been professional. And besides, YouTube has said we're not professional. We don't get money for this. Bastards. Uh, but Sunday Sampler should be returning this week, assuming I get something, because it's been a very light week on uh, re- uh, on review code, and I'm. Just now starting to do channel assets. I plan to do them over the weekend once you know, I realized I was too tired to mess with all the stuff for the Sunday sampler, which does require you know a fair amount of work, either Friday or Saturday or both. But I just couldn't get it to look how I wanted. You know how it is, right? Oh, wait. That, that requires too much effort, right? Indeed. <laughs> too much effort. Way too much effort. It's fine. But yeah, I'm working on some new channel assets for a few things, particularly additional things for the Sunday sampler, so it's not always just quick looks. Even though I have to admit, I do like the quick looks. Because, yeah, it always introduces me to weird things. And sometimes we just fist buildings with giant mechs while delivering pizza. And that's all right in my book. Uh, with pizza or without pizza? Doesn't have to have pizza. This is. It doesn't have to have pizza, but pizza is a okay, bonus. Okay, just making sure. Uh, but yeah, all that is over at Gaming of Caffeine Rage, and on the Twitter Gaming of CR, I was talking about uh, notes on my uh, frozen pretzels. <laughs> I saw that last uh, or uh, last time I'm. Uh, well, I nuked the pretzel just because I was feeling too lazy to fire up the oven. And saw on the packet of salt. Uh, no, do not use entire packet of salt if not heating the entire box of pretzels. And it just made me wonder what's worse, the fact that that note exists or it needed to exist. But then just above it, it says, yeah, uh, salt to taste. So what if you just want all the salt in the world? That's probably to just protect them from a lawsuit. I would say, how would you uh, sue over too much salt on your pretzel? But then we've had PUBG, 
and we've seen they have way too much salt on their pretzel. Huh? Huh? Ha ha. Uh, but yeah, that is the Twitter. So, my uh, just random nonsense. But if you wish to send us your random nonsense, you could send it vglpodcast at gmail.com or just tweet it to us vglpodcast on Twitter. Your voicemails, your uh, letters, your gaming related topics, your questions, your just random donations, though, could uh, go to patreon.com slash vglpodcast, which help pay for our Podbean account vglpodcast.podbean.com which has the RSS feed, our show notes, but you can also find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever Jared stuck us if you're not listening to us on a podcatching service already. Our intro and outro music is On the Ground by Kevin McLeod and Doobly Doo is our discovery cue music by the same artist. His work can be found at Incomputech.com and save me from me tripping over my tongue anymore. As always, <laughs> as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice. You sound very now. uncertain about that. I just decided to roll with it. I wasn't sure where to start, but I just went with it. <laughs> I would say I'll edit it, but we know I won't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's just a, a certain level of uh, just pure involvement that you have with this. Oh, my back just popped. That was wonderful. I don't know if the mic picked it up or not, but it was a really satisfying, like, crunch. I didn't hear it, but it you always good. edit it in. Oh, wait, that's beyond your uh, um, effort, isn't it? Yeah, it'd take too much effort. I have to re-record it or... Spend two minutes searching online for a back popping uh, sound. To, Probably like an ASMR video. I never really got That's ASMR. I, well, I've watched some of it. Some of it just comes across as fucking creepy. Am I just watching the wrong ones? No, I don't. I don't get ASMR videos I mean, either. I, I mean, being, either they I mean, annoy me soft, or uh, yeah, they're I mean, creepy. Soft spoken and uh, you know, yeah, you know, they're not really editing out crinkling is one thing, but the deliberate, you know, over-the-top ASMR just comes across as so fucking creepy. Then again, a couple of the uh, channels I watch could be considered ASMR, but I'm not watching them for the tinkles or the feels or the whatever. So I don't know.